welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. Congratulations. I, my future self thanks you, assuming everything went well. Indeed, yes. Oh, uh, boy. By the yeah. time you're hearing this, I am theoretically married. Yeah. But I've seen enough movies to know that one or both of us could get could get uh, cold feet. An old boyfriend, An old boyfriend uh, could show up could at a pane of glass. Right? Yeah. Someone oh. could raise a very compelling objection. Yeah. It might and be it me. Turn, and it turns out I've been in love with Andy McDowell the whole time. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, you and I standing in the rain, <laughs> you know, and me saying... It's, I, I think I love you. <laughs> right. What are you so afraid of? Exactly. Um, yeah, very exciting. No, we don't, uh, thank you uh, for that, for congratulating me, but we do need to move on. We have Indeed. a lot to get to today. Absolutely. Um, so why don't you start with a, with a quick ad? Why don't we set, ease the listener in Yeah. by uh, shilling for someone? All right. Yeah, when we have a number of sponsors, and we're going to space them out, so uh, sorry about that, everybody. All right, this one is a new one. Here we go. <clears throat> This episode is brought to you by I Was a Teenage Were Skunk, a, a comic homage to the drive-in monster movies of the 1950s. Curtis is a mild-mannered teenager wanting nothing more than to do well in school and share a malt with his best girl. But one night while peeping on his neighbor, he is sprayed by an enchanted skunk. Now whenever Curtis feels aroused, he transforms into a murderous were skunk. Can Curtis avoid the temptations of the flesh long enough to find a cure? Or will the local sheriff hunt him down, uh, hunt him down, and shoot him like the animal he is? To find out, you can contribute to the Kickstarter for "I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk." This is a fairly low-budget film, so anything you can contribute will help. To find out more, just go to teenagewearskunk.com, spelled as you assume, or click on the ad at battleshippretension.com. Which Very, is how we would recommend indeed. doing it. Very exciting. Okay, so why don't you bring in our guest? Because then we have some t- stuff to talk about. Indeed. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, tons, yes. Okay, so uh, it's another list, and as- a li- aside from maybe me, there's only one person I know that loves talking about lists. And that is our friend Wayne Fetterman, who I want to try and have on once, once a year, if for no other reason than to keep us on our toes. Uh, Wayne, how you doing? Very well. I'm very excited about this list. Okay. okay Can I, I... Go. I, we both make the same mistake from time to time, Tyler. Okay. But I have to remind you, when you introduce a guest, it's da 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 Wayne Fetterman. You don't say, our guest is Wayne Fetterman, da 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 Like, that's... A Am little, I tap dancing? It's a What's going on? Am oh, I, I'm sorry. Do you agree with me, Wayne? Not all. Not completely. Not completely. Does it feel awkward that your name? No, has I been usually. Saying, as a rule, the general rule is the name is the last thing you say. That's what I'm saying. Did I say that? No, you said our guest is Wayne Fetterman, and then you went da 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 da. Doesn't matter. Doesn't. I feel like we're in a new. There's no audience, so the, there was no swell of applause or anything. Right. right. Didn't really bother me okay. that much. But okay. I do like to see the two of you go at it. <laughs> <laughs> over something as important as uh, introduction etiquette. Well, you know who was a real show show person who that oh, would have bothered. bothered? Yeah. We're talking about comedies today. Is Joan Rivers who yes. died? Yeah. I know we're time like as you said before we recorded. We're time stamping this episode now. Yeah, uh, because we're recording this before, well before my wedding. Um, but she died today. Uh, yeah, this 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 afternoon or this morning, late morning or the afternoon. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, and I um, born 1933. Yeah, she was. 81. Yeah, 81. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and I I feel like there's this pressure. If you like have a Twitter presence, there's this mm-hmm. pressure to be like a famous person of whom I'm a fan has died. 
what am I going to say on Twitter? And I avoided that. So do I. And, so and do I, I. It was just a general rule, unless I have, unless something actually comes up. You know, I didn't when Robin Williams died. I didn't tweet anything right away. But that night, when I decided to watch the Birdcage in tribute, I tweeted about that, and mm-hmm. because it felt natural to me. Um, but I've been working through. I don't know if I would say this is an emotional thing for me the way it was with Robin Williams because I didn't grow up with Joan Rivers the, right. the way I did with Robin Williams. But I've worked working through intellectually all day today what mm-hmm. Joan Rivers meant to me and meant to comedy and meant to film. Uh, and I'm sure uh, we don't want to spend forever on it because by the time this has gone up, there's been a week and a half of yeah, obituaries and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to know what did you guys, what were your guys' initial reactions? Uh, I'll, I'll go real quick and then I'll throw it to Wayne who's in the very much in the comedy world and I'm sure this will... Uh, mean more to him but uh yeah uh i i also do the uh the twitter thing and what i often decide to do is just say here's some movies they were in mm-hmm. if it's an actor or they directed or something like that mm-hmm. and in this case it was seek out uh joan rivers a piece of work the documentary yeah. to mm-hmm. get a really good in-depth portrait of this of this woman uh she also has a brief cameo as herself i think in serial mom Okay, I don't remember that. I haven't <laughs> seen that film in a while. But, um, yeah, it's one of those, uh, like yourself, I grew up uh, thinking of her as just the fashion person, uh, and then she was on E! And I believe she had a talk show when we were growing up. Um, yeah, not very long ago. Yeah, very short-lived. But uh, but I thought of her as, like, the E! person. Like, and the somebody, voice of Dot Matrix. And the, yeah, that's how I knew her primarily, is the voice of Dot Matrix on in Spaceballs. Space yeah. yeah. Uh, and so she didn't really mean much to me until I became a comedy fan, yeah. like a real comedy fan as an adult. Yeah. And then you go back and you watch some of her early stuff, and it's great. You watch some of her like new, her current stuff, and it was great. Like She was genuinely funny. Uh, and that's one of the things that I liked about that documentary is that it doesn't pull any punches. She was not always the most pleasant person in the world, mm-hmm. but she was remarkably sensitive um, and still sharp. Uh, right up till you know, right up to the end, I think, and so, um, and it gives you a good appreciation for you know, she was a a young female comic at a time when there were not very many of them, and yeah. so uh, talked about some of the pressures that she went through and that kind of thing. I but will anyway. definitely have more to say about that in a minute. Okay. But I want to get wins. Yeah. You. Well, um, I'm not familiar with her. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> Tell me a little more about this voice of a computer on a. Uh, she's also in The Swimmer, by the way. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I never have seen Do you that. know what the movie's about? I don't. I, don't. I know the it's, name. It's a movie with Burt Lancaster. I believe it's from the 60s. And he swims from Beverly Hills Swimming Pool to Beverly Hills oh, Swimming Pool. Hmm. It's I, very yeah, she's, that. she's in that movie. Um, and she also made a movie called Rabbit Test, I believe, with Billy Crystal. I don't know if she directed it, but I'm pretty sure she hmm. wrote it. Oh. Um, I, you know, she was. she's not really... Film is not what she's known for. She's right. known totally for te- television and mm-hmm. being a, you know, a, a stand-up comedian who was, um, you know, certainly a trailblazer. Because even at the time, there weren't many comedians who were kind of. I mean, they were all. I feel like all women comedians had to be self-deprecating mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some kind of ways. But even like Phyllis Diller was a little more cartoonish yeah. than Joan Rivers was. But um, I don't know. I was. I was sad, but. You know, she'd been in a coma for how many days now? Yeah. 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 yeah this wasn't like a huge surprise. It wasn't a thing that yeah. she was in a coma. So she came out of the coma and then she killed herself and hung herself. 
That's no, I'm sorry. There's three things in order. <laughs> what it's, a good, it's a good thing this is coming out uh, a, a week and a half right. later, so people can. They, sorry, they had time to mourn. So she came out of the coma to, and she was upset. So right. She went in. Like, yeah. Um, um, no, I, I met her. I had met her a few times, and mm-hmm. um, she's uh, you know she was incredible. The thing that was weird to me about Joan Rivers. And I love her. Was like how driven she was at age seventy nine. Yeah, driven like a like an open micer driven. Yeah, to be like, oh, I got to write this mm-hmm. new stuff. I got to do those again. That especially in that documentary, when she looks at her date book and just yeah. says, if she doesn't have dates, this is death. And just her, she says yeah, that right, yeah. doesn't she? Uh, I think yeah. I, yeah. I think there's a because uh, yeah, there is a lot to say of her about her as a role model for um, for female comedians. But I think for comedians in general, there's mm-hmm. a tenacity. Or I would say, I mean, I don't. I'm not a comedian, but I would say anyone who endeavors to do something right. expressive. There's a tenacity. There was a tenacity and a work ethic to her that I think should be. She should be a role model, not just to, not 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 just to to women, but also especially to women. Mm-hmm. The the story that I always find so fascinating is she. When she was uh, young, up and coming, she was uh, writing for television. She kept trying. She was trying to get on the Tonight Show, and she couldn't get on, um, mostly because of sexism. Uh, and eventually, she got on not as a comedian, but she got on billed as Joan Rivers' girl writer. That, that was like the hook. Like, hey, it's a girl who writes for TV, and she got on. And uh, from that moment, blew Johnny Carson away, and yeah. became you know one of his favorite guests. Uh, and I mean, that's a really inspiring story to me, uh, and also just really shameful. Um, but, uh, again, it's going back to what I was saying about her being a role model for, uh, it would be, it would be limiting to just say, you know, female comedians should look up to her. Everyone should look up to her in some way. Absolutely. And, and not even just comedians, because that's the other thing is, uh, Wayne, as you were saying, like right up until... The end. <laughs> Till the end. I think of how many comedians, actors, directors, whatever, uh, they get to a certain point. You know them. Everybody knows them. Right. They don't really need to put in the effort anymore, and they don't. <laughs> uh, that she was not one of those. She no. put she put in the effort right until the end. No, I remember talking to her about it, and she always, she would actually kind of recoil a little bit when like because I was there. With Morgan Murphy, who's a young mm-hmm. comedian, and uh, we were talking to her, and she doesn't, she didn't like any of the like, oh, you were an inspiration to me. She's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm your competitor. I'm <laughs> gonna be funnier. Like we're, yeah. this is not like, oh, bow down to this trailblazer. Yeah. She didn't want any of that stuff. Yeah, she which didn't I, want a free pass. Certainly, she, well, she didn't want a free pass, but she didn't even want to think of herself that way. Which yeah. I thought was a little, to tell you the truth, I thought it was a little weird. Like. Just take it. Like, yeah. yeah, a lot of people like you, and you can be that person. But she's like, no, I want to take dates away from Kathy Griffin or whoever would yeah. be her, you know, her competition yeah. or something. I, ca- I kind of love that. You did. Yeah. As, I mean, it's in like, the documentary. You can yeah. see it. So it's like yeah. she doesn't want to rest at all. Yeah. But it's like, is that because she never got, like, a Kennedy Center honor or the, you know, the Mark Twain or, you know, those awards that they sort of give to the Steve Martin to Steve Martin, not the Steve Martins. There's only one. <laughs> I think, I mean, my guess would be it has less to do with not having achieved that and more to do with the idea that if she had achieved something, even just becoming a role model, then that's almost like an, like an end date to her yeah. career. Oh, okay. And then okay. it's like the next year she won. Because I, I don't have, 
per- this is going to be about me because uh, this is a podcast and it's right. okay to make it about myself. That's what um, we do. I don't have like a fear of getting old, but I do have a fear of growing out of touch. I'm so scared of being the guy who doesn't know what like but that's, 20-somethings are listening to like music-wise. I always want to be in touch. And so I think I kind of relate to that. I don't ever, ever want to think is think of anything in the past as having been my time david i was out of touch like from age 10 on and so <laughs> yeah. uh and but that was that was the thing you were like super cool for a while there and so now you're losing that and you're I've, becoming I've never been cool look problem. at your future david it's me so you're really worried about not knowing like what the newest Katy perry song is like that's important to you um i don't need to have heard the songs do you need to know who common is well, I've known who Common is for a okay. long time. I'm okay. a little iffy um, on that. I'm not totally <laughs> sure who Common is. Um, uh, no, I don't know. Uh, and there are Katy Perry songs. Do you know who Lake Street Dive is? I don't know who Lake Street Dive is. Okay. Oh, I feel no, 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 no. It's, it has nothing to do with that. I'm just curious. Like, this is my point. Is like I feel like you're you're asking for something that's impossible to have. Like, no matter what, yeah, like, this, know, no matter how. But it's about the um, the journey, Mental. not the destination. It's oh, okay. About, it's that about you trying want to, to yeah, stay yeah, in touch. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, but I, why are you trying to? Like, why? Like, because I know some people. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be the dude who, like, oh, I only listened to REM my whole life because right. mm-hmm. that was this yeah. my college band, and mm-hmm. that's all I listened to. Because I, I think, um, and maybe it's because I um, don't have kids and don't plan to have kids, so I oh. never really plan. Wait, to did see- your future wife know this? Oh, yes, that was not okay. we talked about. Very uh, she early does on. now. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't... You have your own list that's coming out on this show. I don't want to be on that side of things. I still, I still, in a lot of ways, identify with, like, the teenagers. I mean... You do. In public, like, on the bus, I fucking hate teenagers. Or, at, like, in movie theaters, they're the worst. Um, but uh, I do identify... You know, they're, yeah. you know what they're called, this generation? What, millennials? No, the one after that. Oh, okay. The, one, the, the teenagers now that have all the money. No, which ones are they? Generation Z. I bet they don't like that. Why? But they probably don't like anything. They probably don't like anything. What yeah. do you mean? That don't label them, man. <laughs> but that's, yeah. When, when I think about, like, being 12, 11 or 12 years old when I first heard Nine Inch Nails, I'm thinking yep. that it was amazing music, mm-hmm. and people my parents' age just thought of that as noise. I'm so scared of being that, of there being some music that comes along. EDM? Are you into EDM? But uh, EDM, it doesn't seem that, and maybe it's because I've always stayed somewhat aware, EDM mm-hmm. doesn't seem that different to this different to the stuff that I was dancing to at raves in, in college. What is EDM? Electronic dance music. Oh, all right. Um, so uh, I, 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 I'm very scared of being the guy who uh, turns on the radio. You know what that says to me? It sounds like you're afraid, of, you're afraid of dying. <laughs> I feel like it's, like it's a weird no, way see, of it's saying not about that. Because as long as I'm in touch up until the moment I die, it's, I'm also terribly, terribly terrified of uh, going senile. That's another. Oh, uh, yeah. everyone has that, right? Theory. Especially now that Alzheimer's has become so. There's so many documentaries about it. It's just yeah. so horrifying to see it. Yeah, like, and I worked for a little less than a year at a um, a nursing home that had a. Have you ever worked at a nursing home? Uh, yeah, I just said that I did. I know. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. <laughs> it that was a question that just occurred to him. It is interesting how coincidental that was. Yeah. That worked out very well. So, um, um, but, that's, but that does speak to, 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 put a, to put a cap on it. Okay. To, to no, this back. does actually uh, yes, it intersect does. With, with, yeah. with our list. Um, but yeah, what I will say is that like I do think that idea of needing to prove herself 
is maybe what drove her towards the end. And that probably can be linked back to how she started. Yeah. She had to prove herself. She wasn't going to be handed anything. Mm-hmm. And so the minute you start getting comfortable, the minute you start saying, okay, I'm a, I'm a grand old dame of comedy, you know, <laughs> right. at uh, that point, you're not cutting, you're certainly uh, not cutting edge and you're not current. You right, are, right, right. You're content. <laughs> No, I agree like, with I that. Just like I, that. You conflated the grand dame with grand old but, flag. But, but I think we all agree that that is the film to watch about her. Absolutely. More than it was Spaceballs. More than Spaceballs or uh, just barely. <laughs> I feel like Spaceballs. There's also it. A, a TV movie she once did with called The Girl Most Like. I can't. I can't remember the name of this. Okay. Then there was that crazy movie, and they talk about yeah, the, the daughter movie, yeah, the one yeah. she made with her daughter yeah. about themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. I've. I would love to see that movie. Yeah, that's uh, a good. One. All right. Okay. okay. We, yeah, we need to move John, on. John, we uh, Do you want to do... One more quick thing before we move on that I want to get Wayne's uh, oh. opinion on. That's oh. also going to timestamp this week. Because I know we've talked off mic. You, like myself, are a big fast food person. Yes. Um, now, I, uh, we, we always look at the small town like, oh, my God, they got a Wendy's and everyone shows up and lines up for the Wendy's. And isn't that cute or quaint or aren't mm-hmm. they like backwards or old fashioned? Los Angeles has lost its fucking mind that there's a Dunkin' Donuts here now. It's insane. I don't. I, I kind of get it, but I don't really get it. But to the point, for people who don't know, and I don't know if you guys. I think I don't know if it was opening night or one of the first nights. Like there was a, not only was a line outside, but not everyone in line got in because the cops came and broke it up because the line was getting out of hand. And obviously, and obviously, they wanted some for themselves. <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's <laughs> what it was about. Cops, right? So I want to get, and they your, showed up in full military regalia. it's our Ferguson. I guess yeah. a lot of extra since the Iraq War has been down. A lot of that excess. <laughs> yeah, they so, still have that anger. They just um, need to purge it, like in the purge. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Dunkin' Donuts? Well, <laughs> it's an East Coast phenomenon. But in the Midwest, where, where I'm from. And, and the Midwest as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're so all it's never Chicago. been in California. No, I, it yeah. has been. And it, oh, I don't know. And it all failed. Right, or it, it, they, they closed up. Because here's the thing. If you move to Los Angeles, the first thing you notice is there's a every two blocks is a donut shop. There's yeah, kind of, right. The market is there's kind something of called Winchell's. Winchell's. Yeah. Winchell's, yeah. yeah. yeah when I was real little, there were still Winchell's in St. Louis, where, where I'm from, but they closed. Nothing to do with the ventriloquist. Uh, not that I know of. Okay. Um, Who's the ventriloquist? Paul Winchell. Paul Winchell. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, well, there's Walter Winchell. Did he do ventriloquism too? <laughs> that was, the- was it also lightning fast? <laughs> yes, it um, was. Good evening, Mr. Mr. North America and all your ships at sea. Here's an impression for people over the age of 81. <laughs> uh, what I will say, and I think this is specific to the Midwest, because uh, when you said Dunkin' Donuts, that I haven't been keeping track of. What I have been sort of forced to keep track of, because a number of my friends and my wife were super thrilled about, Jimmy John's has descended on Los Angeles. And that's and something that's never been here before. It's never Unlike been Unlike a Dunkin' yes. Donuts, which was here yeah. 20, 30 years ago and closed. Yeah. There's never been a Jimmy John's. Yeah. And people are over the moon about Jimmy John's. Jen loves it. She was like... You know, she was she was almost almost emotional when she found out that it came here. I drove to Pasadena to get her a couple of sandwiches because uh, it's nowhere close. Nothing, yeah, yeah, nothing right. comes to Northridge, you know. Uh, but uh, but you yeah, live so. in Northridge. no, I live in North Hills, but people have heard of Northridge. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, but so I haven't. What is your opinion on? Dunkin I don't Donuts? really. I, first of all, I don't feel that it's a fast food restaurant, so I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> you don't. Oh, now this is interesting. Why? Why doesn't it qualify? <laughs> it's, it's a donut shop. 
but they, they have sandwiches. You can I mean, like, I guess they do have meals. Meal. I think there is. They do have meals now. Um, I don't. It, the same thing happened in New York City when they had um, these like burger and shake place. It was called Super Shake Shack, Shake Shack, or something like that. Yeah, they came in and lines in New York City. I don't. Know, people like comfort food. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not shocking to me. And um, I, I think. I, I'm a Bavarian cream. If guys, hmm. there's anyone out there, that's my favorite of the Dunkin' Donuts. Um, I but I don't drink. I also think it's a coffee thing as well. That's I what I'm going to say. I think people have been buying the coffee grounds at Ralph's for so long, and those are admittedly really good. That I think they're like, oh my god, a whole store of stuff like this, and then they're going to go and buy a donut and be like, oh yeah, it's a donut. I'm like, yeah, I just, like, it's just a else. donut. But the coffee is good. The coffee is good. I don't drink anything hot, so I don't. Nothing hot. Mm-mm. You know what? I'm kind of on board with you. I only, I will <laughs> only have wine. What? Just thinking of hot drinks. <laughs> no, I don't drink. I mean, I'll have soup, hot but toddy. I'll have like a Seven Up okay. with the soup. Like I'm right. the food. Yeah, it astounds me when people. I I will only have coffee with a pastry of some kind. Uh-huh. There are people who will have coffee with hot eggs and hot bacon. I'm like, that's too much hot. That's oh, you gotta really, yeah, no thanks. You do then? Oh yeah. All right. All right. Let's get to this list. Yeah, David. Yes, let's, so let's, help let's, me, do not try and turn this into this podcast that you want to do with Wayne about no, fast food. No, 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 no. Put that out of the bag. That's you already said it last last time. Oh, okay. Well, that's so. something I'm trying to uh, <laughs> trying to work on. Okay. Kind of soften them up. Here. Exactly. Um, let's yeah. Let's uh, get into it in just a moment. First, I want to talk about tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish style, styles and colorful colors. Oh, uh, and that is at tweakedaudio.com. Like I said, t w e a k e d audio.com. And because we know you and like you, if you go to tweakedaudio.com/pretension, you get uh, everything I just said for one third off and no shipping charges. So that's tweakedaudio.com/pretension. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed, do it. Okay, so we are talking about uh, the top 50 comedies. Now, of course, we're not going to talk about all 50 because then we'll be here for three hours like we did last year with Aaron uh, talking about the horror movies. And we did not intend talking about all 50, but we did. Uh, We're going to sort of breeze through. And to be clear, this is the top 50 horror movies as decided. Comedy movies. Sorry, comedy movies as decided by you, the listener. By you, the listener. Uh, occasionally, there Was there were, any other criteria? There's just comedy movies. Comedy, any uh, country? They had, they had to be feature. That'd uh, be feature length. You know, and then, of course, uh, we're a little bit lenient on that when it comes to, like, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton. Of course, like, shorter. You know, Sherlock yeah. Jr. shows up. It's 45 minutes, not right, technically right. a feature these days. If Sherlock Jr. If it shows up. I'm right, sorry. Right, right, right. Exactly. It shows up. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe only one person submitted it. Who's to say? Um, but uh, so but yeah, your so, listeners and your website readers mm-hmm. have all gotten together. Yeah. Sent you electronic mails. How's, how do you get the information? Yeah, they emailed me. They emailed me. Well, it emailed. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Sometimes they emailed me and I forwarded it. In one case, they sent us a postcard. They did. Yeah. Which yes. is. You got some. Okay. Which uh, my first thought is, what are you trying to do? And my second thought was, I appreciate the effort. Um so, uh, and what we did, uh, what I did say, because this, uh, to me, it's fun to do this, especially we did it with horror, we did it with this, yeah. uh, saying, like, whatever you consider a comedy to be. Right. So, we got, uh, oh, there's a postcard. Oh, that's a long postcard. I don't like that at all. <laughs> well, he's got um, up to 10 movies. So, it's whatever, yeah, there's no criteria. Because yeah. there is one movie on this list that I don't even think counts as a comedy okay, okay. All right. I, be sure I, to mention that i will mention it yeah. uh but like for example uh somebody submitted like uh, american psycho uh which is right. often quite funny 
I don't. I, that's a black comedy. comedy. That's a black yeah, comedy. It's a, that is a very dark comedy. But it doesn't become a comedy really till the end, right? Not to give anything away. I just. I think all the way I through. Think you think it's where the second time you watch it, that's you, what I'm. You find it funny the whole you're time. You're just agreeing. Oh, with I see me. what you're saying. I thought you said there weren't any jokes until the end. No, I'm saying the the comic construct doesn't become clear until the end of the movie. Yes, then now I see what you mean. Damn okay. it, Wayne. What? You always take me by surprise. I try to expect it, and then there it is. All right, let's go. Let's okay. start. This. All right. <clears throat> uh, coming in, okay, let's, can I, I'll do the voice. Coming in at number 50 is... Oh, boy. Are we going to do that every yes. time? Yes. All right. Let's, let's just, no, let's just roll through. Yeah, oh, let's yeah. roll through. And here's the thing. We're going to go in depth on the top 10. We haven't even started. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling the listener, we know this because we talked about it before. We're going to go in depth when we get to the top 10, but we're going to breeze through the top 50. If anybody, including me, has something that they want to say, whether they feel like something deserved, uh, like we feel like it doesn't deserve to be there, mm-hmm. it's not a comedy, it deserves to be higher, whatever, um, then feel free to speak up, but only if it's something you really feel passionate about because we don't okay, want to Okay, just so you know, in this, we're going to do the 50 to, through 40 right now, right? That okay, we're going to do, do that, that quick breeze. Sure. One of these movies, and this is the only one on the whole list I have not seen. Okay. The only one of the 50 I have not seen. Have okay. you seen all 50? Uh, no. I have not. I have not. You, I've okay, seen will you, po- will you point out the ones you have not seen? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, okay here we go. Coming in at number 50. I'm sorry, Wayne, I took it from you. Uh, you already did it, so just uh, stay tuned for 49. What is it? I'm on the edge of my fucking It is Christopher... Here. Shut up. It is Christopher Guest's Waiting for Guffman. Coming in at 49. Woody Allen's Love and Death. Have not seen it. Neither have I. What? <laughs> I yeah. know, right? Now, you know that's one of his early... Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. comedies. Yeah. Like, yeah. full-on comedy. And I knew that he had directed it. I did not know it was as well regarded, but a lot of people submitted it. I mean, it's, it's still it's number the 49. Funniest. It's the I, I agree with your buddies. You're whoever your guys are. We're oh. not friends. With these what do you call them? You don't call them. <laughs> yeah, Battle no. shippers? What do you call them? Listeners. listeners. Oh, okay. Should we come up with Jesus. a name? <laughs> okay. I didn't know you were going to be so uncre- in, uncreative. <laughs> what, what should we call them? <laughs> um... Look, I just said shippers. pretenders. Shippers? No one likes pretenders? I like no. shippers. I know, I pretender them. sounds like a band it is a Chrissy Hunt. Yeah, that's exactly why it sounds like that. That's what it is. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> David, have you ever worked at a nursing home? Um, so, okay. Shippers has an ultimate meaning on the internet. So. That's interesting. Neither of you seen Love and Death. Yeah, okay. I know, right? Yeah. And uh, I believe that's the only one on this list of his early comedies that is on here. Not that the... They yeah. Know, yeah. So, um, all right. Let's keep going. All right. Okay. Number 48. Another number 48. Another sorry. Christopher Guest film, Best in Show. Wow. My so it, personal favorite Christopher Guest film. It, it is. It might, I yeah. think it might be mine, too, actually. Um, although I do really like A Mighty Wind, uh, mostly because I think the music is great, and I think it's funny. Um, okay. But Best in Show is that's a Fred Willard showcase, right? I, I, no question no about question. it. No question. Do yeah. we all agree with that? Yeah. yeah. But, coming, uh, coming in at 47. Let's not sleep on Parker Posey and how great yes, she is yeah, in yeah. that movie, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Number okay, forty-seven. Uh, Bringing up baby, a film that I enjoy quite a bit. That's another one of uh, Christopher Guest, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He Three makes of the up four. Eighty-five percent of the list. Um, <laughs> That's a uh, what we would call screwball comedy. Although at the time, we're not referred to as screwball right. comedies. Keep yes. going. Uh, okay. Number forty-six. Yes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, a film that I do love. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, okay. Number, number forty-five. 45. 
Wet Hot American uh, Summer. Oh, how influential. I feel like the movie's in, in more influential as the, the years go on. Am I wrong? My, I've made the case multiple times on this oh, podcast okay, that sorry. Wet Hot American Summer is a seminal film. It's seminal. Why? Yeah. Just because of the cast? I think that's a big part of it is the yeah. cast, but also... The cast the, is pretty amazing. I yeah. think um, uh, the, the case I made before, and it'll come up soon, maybe, we don't know. Uh, Anchorman, maybe, in terms of bigger impact... Uh, was the it was the more impactful sort of anti-narrative, uh, you know, uh, post-comedy type movie. Vaguely experimental. Yes, but I don't know there there would be an Anchorman without Wet Hot American Summer. I don't know if there would be a Children's Hospital. I don't know if oh. uh, I don't know if the uh, the half the comedy even in mainstream sitcoms and comedies. That I you do see agree now, with. I think we're all in agreement. Very influential yeah. comedy and continues to have yeah. a wide shadow. Cast a wide, cast a long shadow. A long shadow. Yeah. I, think okay, I don't know what the metaphor and, is. And it's, yeah. uh, and you know, I, I mean, when you're a comedian, so I feel like you can speak more to this. There's the right. idea of there's the comics that everybody likes, but then there's the comics, comics, like the <laughs> ones that the comics themselves say, "This is amazing. I right. love it." Yeah. But that the lar- larger audience might not know. I feel like Wet Hot American Summer is something that people in the film world and they people do. that made comedies, they saw and said, that's amazing. But box office-wise, it didn't do very well. Not at all. Not um, at all. At n- a number, four, yes, number 44. We, we called out Wet Hot American Summer. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next is Caddyshack. Who, direct, huge, who directed that? Who directed that? I, oh, it doesn't matter. Recall. doesn't matter. Did Harold Ramis, I think he wrote it. I don't remember if he directed it. You're not a fan of Caddyshack. No, I don't think, I think because I was not... Um, which is 12 or 13 when I saw it. Right, of course. Now, as we always, as we talked earlier, not about Caddyshack and specifically, but uh, specifically, but in general, that a lot of times the movies you see at a certain age have more of an influence. Absolutely. And that will definitely, and that's why this list to me is very interesting to your uh, or pretenders or yeah. uh, no. battleshippers or listeners. We'll see. What, what, Coming in at number 43. This 43. Is, this is the movie I have not seen. Okay. Same here, actually. Oh. Uh, I have, and uh, it is it. it is Jacques Tati's Playtime. He's it is a uh, French film, yeah, and it is delightful. I'm not sure if I would consider it a comedy, but it's so damn ple- <laughs> it's so damn pleasant, it's pleasant and affable, right? And you do find yourself just smiling the whole time. I could see why people would consider it a comedy. Um, okay. Were you surprised it was on the list? Uh, not yeah. Mm. I want to see it. I've made a lot of I mean, I saw the trailer for it, but... I I think, given our listenership, I'm not that surprised. I think, with that stipulation, given the listeners we have, I'm not surprised. Uh, Because they're French? Uh, They're pretentious. They're pretentious, okay. About 85% of our listeners are French. Coming in at number 42, (laughs) from John Landis. The Blues Brothers. This was on, the incidentally, and, and I don't remember all the movies that I submitted, but this was on my top ten, uh, because oh. I love it so much. You do? Yes. So do you feel like it's the best of the SNL movies? Oh, no question. Do you agree with that? Uh, the David. best of the SNL movies? Well, the, you, I, I love Wayne's I, World. I really oh, do. Oh, okay. But I, that could be just an age thing, just because Wayne's World was one of my favorite movies growing course, up. Of course, of course. But Blues Brothers, again, we're not going to spend forever. Blues Brothers is a movie I didn't see until fairly late in life. I think it was in college. Mm-hmm. Liked it right away. Went through a period where I think maybe I was being a bit contrarian and yeah. looked down on Blues Brothers. I've come back around and realized I was stupid, and it's okay. That it's, it's a pretty funny movie. It's a pretty funny movie. To me, the best one in SNL is Night at the Roxbury. Really? I'm kidding. I've never I'm seen kidding. it. Oh, okay. 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 You could have been serious. Coming in at number 40. Real quick, you know yeah. what SNL movie, in my opinion, might give Blues Brothers a run for its, it's money, even though it's miles away from it? Let me it. get Superstar. It's, it's Pat. Superstar's good. Neither one. <laughs> oh. I like Superstar. Wait, wait. Not 
Conads. No. It not is. Conads. Not Conads. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I know, oh, I know. Man. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> I don't like the way you said that at all. <laughs> that was the it. one with the, um, McGruber. No. McGruber. McGruber's phenomenal. That's a uh, I didn't, Why am I, I didn't yelling? See it. I heard it was a lot. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Go, no. Well, now I'm curious. It this is, is a good uh, genre, by the way. It is Stuart Saves His Family. Oh, I never saw that. I love that film. Oh, with the senator. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with Al Franken. Uh, it's a really, like... <laughs> the Minnesota Senator Al that, Franken. That one's like a real movie. There's, like, drama in it. It's surprisingly good. Uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in it. Harris Eulin is in it. Uh, it's really, really good. If you but, haven't seen it, seek it out. I don't know if you were joking about Superstar. I do love that movie. So do I. And by the way, uh, my X-Files episode, because I know you have some X-Files nerds out there, Harris Eulin was in that episode. He was, me. yes. yes. I'm okay. A big, I'm a big fan. Coming at number 41. 41. Should be higher, Should in my be. opinion. Harold Lloyd's Safety Last. Yes. Which was included in my list as well. It, it was. I'm in your huge, top ten. I'm a huge fan of Harold Lloyd. I think he's amazing. And I feel like not enough people know who he is. Um... Okay, we can move on. Yeah. Here we go. Is that the oldest movie on the list? Safety Last? I'm going to guess it uh, is. I'm going to guess it is. There's a couple that are close There's a, there's a few that are close. Okay, enough. let's find out. Mm-hmm. We'll look at it. We'll figure it out. Okay. Coming in at number 40. In my opinion, should be much higher. Oh. It happened one night. 1934. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. One, um, of the, one of the movies that... Frank? Frank Capra. Capra? Frank Capra. I'm not, I'm not sure who did, yeah. did this, yeah. And... Um, yeah, and swept the Oscars. Yeah, one actually of, one made of three movies to win the top five. Yeah, yes. So, uh, and one of the few to have a comedic performance win an actor. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah that doesn't happen very often. I don't think it happened again until 1977 with um, Richard, Richard Dreyfus, the Goodbye Girl. Let's continue. Hang on, now let me think. A comedic <laughs> performance. An, an argument could be made for Lee Marvin and Cat Ballou. Where it's a comedic? western, but he's silly. It's a silly performance. All right, all right. I, I, An argument could be made. Moving on. Moving on. I'm sorry, David. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. This was made twice, this movie. Yes, this is the original. I should have specified on this list. I apologize. I have not seen it. What? This is to Lubitsch? be. Uh, yes, to be or not to be. I've yeah. never seen it. Oh, it's so. wonderful. Um, okay, moving on. Yes. This is a cult classic. Cult classic. Um and it is number 38, Office Space. Congratulations. It's a good pick, guys, out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, is it a cult classic? I mean, it was for a while, but I feel like it's outgrown even its cult now to where now it's just Well, I classic. believe I kind of remember on what, what, what's happening. Um, and on entertainment, this... Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> entertainment Tonight. No, not Entertainment Tonight. Weekly? Yes, Entertainment Weekly. Didn't it list it as the number one cult film of all time? No. Oh. Uh, I believe it had a possibly list like yes, it. but I do think at this point, like it's too like, big. It's, it's transcendent. Yeah, it, it should be like the like cult film, like memorial award for like the yeah. the film that graduated from cult into like, just regular. Like the class. way Paul Giamatti is no longer a that guy. He's now <laughs> okay. Paul Giamatti. I got you. Okay, coming in next is the movie I don't think is a comedy. Okay, all right, oh, here we go. See, now we're going to disagree because I think this should be much higher. This I should, love it. If I had submitted a list, this I might know, have been I my know. top. By the way, I think we're doing good. We're really blowing through these. So yes, this is absolutely. Good. Yeah. All right. So, number 37. Film, arguably not a comedy, Singing in the Rain. What makes it not a comedy? It's a musical. But it's also hilarious. Yeah, a lot of musicals are funny. <laughs> so, no musicals are comedies? No. <laughs> tell, well, so, first off, tell that to the Golden Globes, who put them in the same category. But um, that, uh, that's not Which often bothers me tremendously. Uh, 
but that's no, that's uh, I feel it's like it's primarily a musical. Like that is the genre of that movie, and it's very funny. But it's a, I mean, if you took the music out of it, I don't think that would be a comedy. See, I think uh, this is considering the highlight comedy are the song is, you know, make them laugh or something. Lena, Lena Lamont. Oh no, is are, that the name of the? Actress or the character? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, she's pretty funny, and no, she. And everyone's there are. It's not the jokes aren't just in the songs. There are jokes. The dialogue there. I might is be wrong. Crackling the entire time. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, well, everyone, also, there's no. But uh, no one's downing. It's a fantastic but movie. I think. Well, we need to. This is. It's worth putting the brakes on for yes. a to talk yeah, about yeah. this because this is about the whole list yes. in a way. About what we mean when we say a movie is a comedy. What we mean when we divide movies into genre because you could make a case that neither musical nor comedy is a genre so much as it's a uh, device uh, yeah yeah or a, a, i'm trying to think what the word is but i feel like genre is something where that uh has a lot to do with with plot more uh, you know okay. there, there are there okay. are plot and story conventions to noir films or to horror films yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Know, and, even, and, to, even to westerns to a certain extent and like iconography like what's the iconography in a comedy like nothing yeah but i mean I, I, musicals then become more of a genre you're talking because there is iconography to musicals to a is certain there extent. i mean there's dancing there's dancing that's but that's that's iconic. that's an action as opposed to venetian blinds fedoras so. tumbleweeds you know this is i'm enjoying Axis. this conversation <laughs> uh, so I, I what i'm saying is that it can be a musical and still be a comedy um you know i mean would you give uh, me an example uh, just like cabaret is as much a Drama? historical fiction, uh, you know, as it is a musical. Although Cabaret is not the best example because the musical, the music is all, it all makes sense in the movie. People yeah. don't burst into song. Right. It makes so it's maybe not the best example. Um, like an argument could be made that like Sweeney Todd is like a horror musical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a horror Dallas film no matter a, what. Guys and Dolls is funny. I never I saw mean, it. I think of it more as a stage play. The movie's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But... Um, uh, but that's, uh, I would say Guys and Dolls could be just as much a comedy as a musical. I, I, look, I feel like none of, story. none of these things that you're saying are are resonating with me, but <laughs> I, I appreciate that you keep going on and keep saying it. So I, but when you're saying, like, is it happened one night has to be either a comedy or a romance? It can't be both? No, I'm saying, it, well, obviously there's, well, and you'll, we'll see it on this list, actually. There's, you know, what's called romantic comedies, but mm-hmm. they're still comedies. Like, it's a certain kind of comedy. I feel like... So, but musical comedy isn't a kind of comedy. I feel like that's on Broadway. Musical comedy is a thing as opposed to... But in movies, I feel like there isn't a thing as a musical comedy. Hmm. I would. Yeah, I feel I would, like they're musicals, and that's its own crazy great genre. So or the, you can just rank it as a great film, and I think Singing in the Rain is one of the greatest films ever made, and arguably the best musical. But, yeah, I think to put Singing in the Rain... And Moulin Rouge, and Guys and Dolls, and South Pacific, and Cabaret, and Victor Victoria, all into like one, one thing is kind of uh, it's kind of ridiculous to say these can't be anything else. And no, they can. They because can be. They it, can it, be great movies. Because I think if you don't get too hung up on the fact that there's music in them, those movies are a lot of those movies are more dissimilar than similar. You know, I don't think Singing in the Rain and Victor Victoria are that that similar. Right, Except right. those are both comedies, I would say, right. that are also musicals. But again, Victor Victoria, I keep 
with that and Cabaret, those are movies where well, like what, don't burst yeah, into song. West Side Story and Little Shop of Horrors are are notably different right. uh, in tone. Uh, so yeah, I think I, I think I'm probably inclined to agree with you, David. Not just because you're uh, my co-host, um, but uh, but yeah, like almost as though if the if the common denominator in musicals is that there is that people are singing, if that's the common denominator, yeah. if that's the constant for the genre, genre, yeah, yeah, then. I think it's important to look at the very, you know, I, I often use constant and variable. It's like the one thing I got out of uh, algebra was using that as an analogy. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, if singing is the constant, then like the variable could be any number of things. It could be the story and the iconography that makes Sweeney Todd a horror. It makes well, uh, Sound of Music maybe a war film, kind of. Um, I'm going to say this. I think we should move on. Okay. Yeah. Partially because number 30, when we get to that, is a perfect example uh, against oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> that I can use. Oh, indeed. To, or right. are you against Wayne? Okay. Okay. Uh, number 36, by the way, which we're about to get to, is not just comedies, one of my top 10 favorite films of all time. That is true. And I, it was in my top 10. I wanted it to be higher. I thought it might be. And it is. Because we talk about it. Uh, we talk about it a lot on the show. Uh, and now that, that is The Philadelphia Story. Is that George Cukor? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. The <laughs> original director of Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Uh, right. I don't know if you know, he did a bunch of scenes. I don't think I knew that. He got, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, I don't think Gable liked him. Is that what it was? I, that, I, I think that's, that, you know, because I have that, like, four-disc box set of Gone with the Wind. Even though I don't really love the movie, I'm kind of fascinated with by just it. the audio discs, um, right? <laughs> <no>. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Uh, but he, I think he... Because that's, that's the problem with that film is the visual. Like, get that out of there. Get it out of there. <laughs> I think the, the problem was, both with Gable and with probably Selznick, uh, that... George Cukor got so got along so well with the actresses and was kind of on, on their side on everything that yeah. these men who were in charge were like this guy's this guy's one of us he should be on our side let's get him on here and get <laughs> replace him with another different with man Victor Fleming is right. the the guy who got the credit for it right. but there, I think there was three I don't I'm not sure I think there was three directors for it was some long reason. enough to sustain three yes, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> but the villain it's obviously wonderful it's Yar oh yeah. well, yes. damn right it's Yar well and done it, it's also, thank you. <laughs> Um, I, I think the Philadelphia story, part of the reason I like it so much is because I discovered it at a time when I wasn't that familiar with movies of this era. And yeah. I think when you're a teenager, I've talked about this on the show before, you tend to think of these movies as being sort of encased in amber and being sort of old-fashioned. And to see something like the Philadelphia story that has as much sardonic humor and kind of cynicism yeah. in it is not something that I expected because of the idea that I had of a movie from 1940. The level of energy and vitality, it it almost has a crackling quality to Mm -hmm. it that I just love. And it's uh, wonderful performances uh, by everybody. Uh, I think maybe my favorite Cary Grant performance? I don't know. And a a stealthily uncharacteristic Jimmy Stewart performance. In in an Oscar-winning role, by the way. He won Best Actor for that. Okay, number 35. This is the only movie of the top 50 that Wayne Fetterman is in. That is true, yes. That's very exciting. So I'm happy to have made the list. Thanks, guys. And And gals. Yeah, the listeners didn't even know. That I was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that is, of course, uh, Judd Apatow's The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yep, yep. Um, And, you know, it is interesting... uh, I'll, I'll say this. I'll use this opportunity to say it, but it can apply to a number of f- films. Uh, a lot of people emailed. Did you say imply? Uh, I think you did. Apply. It, sorry. Apply, yeah. Um, a lot of people 
with their lists, they tended to put an explanation, uh, either of the overall list or of each one. And a lot of people felt the need to say, okay, I'm going to have, it's like, all right, uh, Mel Brooks. I don't want to have two, Mel, two or three Mel Brooks. I want one Mel Brooks, so which one is it going to be? Now, that never made sense to me because part of me is like, yeah, but if Mel Brooks is responsible for two of the most amazing film uh, comedies ever, then include them. That's fine. And so, like, so this is an example. You had some people saying, I'm submitting Knocked Up because I think that is the best Judd Apatow film, and I want to have Judd Apatow on here. I definitely Do you agree with that? that? No, I think 40-Year-Old Virgin is. Um, um, I, I'm, an, I'm a Knocked Up guy. For the, a movie or for a comedy? Oh, man, you know, that's a good question. I'd have to, I'd probably have to rewatch 40-Year-Old Virgin because it has been a long time since yeah. I've seen that. Okay. As a comedy, I think probably 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah, As it is a film a with like di- more dynamic characters and stuff, probably Knocked Up. Um, and then my favorite is one that he actually didn't direct but produced, which is Superbad, which I think is amazing. Oh, incredible. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's something that uh, I, I won't mention it often, but a lot of people felt the need to, maybe as a way of sort of spreading the wealth a little bit, s- saying, I will pick one director that is known for comedy, and I will find, in my opinion, what their best one is. So, um, And by the way, David, uh, at some point you're probably going to have to take over because my phone is going to die. <laughs> so, Okay. Uh, number 34. Number 34. Speaking of Mel Brooks. Speaking of Mel Brooks, I did not plan that. Uh, the Producers. Producers. A film that I enjoy, but I don't love. I feel like that's a generation. I, I, I'm not sure. I feel like that, like my parents can't get enough of that movie. Yeah. And I love it. I love the performances, but there is something very stagey about that. That doesn't thing. bother me. You know, we're, like, we're about to get to one that I. I mean, I love, I love the producers. By the way, the plot of The Producers. Taken from another movie, New Faces of 1937. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, if you ever see that movie, it's with Milton Berle and Albert Brooks's mom and dad are both in it. Oh, that. interesting. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a – sorry, I'll just say this real quick. Uh, it is a film that I think um, – I enjoy the performances, Zero Mustel and – It's and, incredible. Uh, and and Wilder. Wilder. Anything yeah. G. Wilder um, for yeah. me. But it is one of those things, generational – when people talk now about like, oh my gosh, that springtime for Hitler thing, it's like, well, now that's not edgy at all. Right. At the time, certainly I was a But I do feel like, the, yeah. real quickly on the producers, one of the reasons I love it, I feel like that's the first time I ever saw the comedy audition scene mm. where people uh-huh. have to come in yeah. and the next and they <laughs> cut, the fast cut back and forth. I, I feel like he created that. All right, coming in at number 33, this is his first appearance on the list. Yeah. Speaking of uh, enjoy but don't love for me. Yeah, and this is Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums. Right. Uh, This, it was in my top ten for a while. It might have stayed. I don't remember. Um, This is my favorite of his films. It is. Um, And and I think think it's the best of his films. More than Rushmore. I think more than Rushmore, yes. Okay. Um, I'm a Rushmore guy, but there's no right or wrong. I'm just going to say it louder. (laughs) That is true. You can project better than I can. Uh, Next up. uh, First but not last appearance on the list. First but not last appearance. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. A lot of smash cutting. Yes. How would you describe his directing style? um, For someone who would one of, uh, And we've talked about this before. One of the few filmmakers who understands how much filmic technique can play in cr- in creating a laugh. Oh, right, right. Like, I mean, when you think about it, 
a lot of comedies, like they say, you know, lives in the medium shot and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, just sit back and let the fun happen. And he's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to make the fun happen. But it never feels suffocating to me. So creative. And Hot Fuzz is probably my favorite of his films. I love Scott Pilgrim, but Hot Fuzz, I think, is maybe his funniest for me. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim is probably my favorite. Is definitely my favorite of his films. But if I had to pick a funniest, it would be probably either this or Shaun of the Dead. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, all right. Number 31. 31. Is Fargo. A yes. movie that is a comedy or not, depending on my mood. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I'm in a mood where the darkness of it really gets right. to me. And I don't find myself laughing as much. But uh, it's often very funny as well. My favorite Coen Brothers movie. Uh, yeah. It, I hope to God this is the Coen Brothers. It, yes, it, it is. is. Yeah. Jesus, that was close. Um, I'm sorry. This was also a George Google. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, I just uh, today I recorded an episode of my other podcast in which we talked about The English Patient. Uh, and in specifically, like it winning Best Picture over Fargo, mm-hmm. and 1996. So we went, 96. Yeah, uh, and of course we wound up talking probably as much about Fargo <laughs> as we did about English Patient, uh, as tends to happen. Um, yeah, right. it's a wonderful comedy, and there are a lot of people that don't consider it a comedy, and those people are incorrect. Well, speaking of number thirty, one that Wayne cannot consider a comedy by his I know, own. I know this may be I mean this might blow it like a cigar in an old <laughs> comedy from Warner Brothers. This may blow up in my face right now. Number thirty is South Park Bigger, Longer and Uncut, which you can't say is not a musical. And therefore if it's a musical it's not a comedy, right? I can say that's not a musical. I don't think I think that I think you're crazy. There are musical numbers and they're not, a, not only musical, is it a musical, it's, it's one of my favorites. Like some of that, some of those songs are so great. I, I agree. I, I don't know. I, I, may, I may have to step away from what I said earlier based on what on, on number 30, because that is I mean, certainly there's a number number of songs in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And with the exception, maybe of the La Resistance song, that's you can't even really say, well, it's a musical parody. Like, no, I know. It's I know. Pretty earnest about being a musical the whole time. Well, okay, let me ask you a question. Would you say that uh, Team America is a musical? Uh, I'd have to watch it again. I didn't like it very much, uh, so I, I don't remember. Oh, I love I do, it. I don't think I love it. Uh, yeah. I don't think so because none of the characters sing. There is there is original music, but no... No character sings? That One character sings, everybody has AIDS, <laughs> but he's on stage. It's in the context of a musical um, within the world. Uh, but there are songs. My one of my favorites is, of course, America. My, America, fuck yeah! But then I also like uh, Michael. The song about Michael ba- using uh, Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor <laughs> as the standard of anything. I miss you more than Michael Bay missed the mark when he made Pearl Harbor. Uh, and then I'm a big fan. They re- they repurposed it from their series. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, Montage. Yeah. I think that yeah. song's amazing. But nobody sings them. They they are original. Uh, except montage, they are. Original, That's not true. But can I are, give you an, a song okay, that they do sings? All right. Yeah, I'm l- lonely. Oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I'm lonely. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> true. He does. That is the. I believe that is the only time. Which of course makes. I haven't seen one. this movie forever, but I do remember. <laughs> all right, let me rethink about the musical comedy thing. I I love that the whole joke of that song is <laughs> that he right. just can't say does the, the R's and L's. Okay. <laughs> okay, we got to move on because you have to do an ad before your phone does. Yeah. Uh, so number twenty nine is the Naked Gun. Uh, definitely very important to my development. Yeah. Um, number 28, National Lampoon's Animal House. Classic. 
Uh, not for me. Ah, uh-huh. not for you. And you now, know what? I don't think I, I, I don't mean that as a way of dismissively saying I don't like it. I'm literally right. saying I don't think I'm the audience for that movie. And I think that might be a generational thing because, yeah. not unlike Caddyshack, the slobs versus snobs thing uh-huh. was big in the '80s, and you and I didn't necessarily like we were. We were born in the 80s. We didn't really develop our comedic tastes in the 80s. And I feel like by the time we... It was played out? ...got into comedy, I, I think that was done. Okay. Um, but, yeah. I'll tell you one movie I do that- like the joke in the movie where they're nervous in, like, the black R&B-like bar club. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And he asks the girls they brought to the club, do you girls come here often? That's very funny. <laughs> All right. So commercial time? Uh, uh, not yet. No, no, no. A couple more. Uh, we already mentioned Rushmore, so number 27 is Rushmore. Anything more yeah, to say about it? No, you know what I think about it. Okay. Number 26, Dumb and Dumber. I'd have to revisit it, but I remember it being very funny, being chock full of jokes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I was younger, from a, maybe a contrarian standpoint, I'm like, Dumb and Dumber, come on. But it's like, it's pretty damn funny. Uh, I laugh a lot when I watch that movie and when I'm I think sure. about it. And as much as I laugh in the original, I'm sure I'm not going to laugh at the sequel because there's something about seeing middle-aged men acting like this. It's like, okay, well, now there's something now I think there's something wrong with <laughs> right, it. Right, right, right. And right. I can't laugh at that. Right. Um, okay. Advertisement time. Oh, indeed. Okay. This episode was all. Uh, this episode was also brought to you. I wrote this uh, when we, I was thinking we'd do them all in a row. This episode was also brought to you by Aperture, the company committed to providing quality movie making equipment at an affordable price. Right now, they're holding the Aperture at all costs video contest. They're giving away thousands of dollars in lights, microphones, and monitors to the artists that can best show why they are pursuing art at all costs. For more information, go to Aperture.com. That's A P U T U R E. Dot com, or, as we prefer, click on the banner at BattleshipPretension.com. Moving on. Moving on. Number 25, His Girl Friday. Which I've never seen. You've never seen? I've never Do seen. Do you know anything about it? Uh, very little. I'm going to tell you. It's Howard stuff. Hawks, right? Who directed yeah, it. and I it's like uh, Ben Hecht, who is okay. won the first screenplay for, original screenplay for Oscar, mm-hmm. for a silent movie he did. Obviously known for quick, bantery, mm-hmm. but kind of the Aaron Sorkin Okay, his, I know that's a horrible way to say it. Aaron Sorkin <laughs> is the Ben Act of his time. Okay, yes, more the way yeah. to put it. And uh, there was a famous play on Broadway called The Front Page. It was made into a successful movie in the early 30s. This was the remake, His Girl Friday, and then it was remade again by Billy Wilder in the 70s? 70s? Uh, yeah. With, with Matt Allen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a huge Broadway success, and then this was the best version of it. So and, you, and you stand by it. I know a lot. Oh of yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's incredible. Okay. And uh, you know, just snappy, crazy dialogue, and just I do the, enjoy the top it. of that. The top of that genre. Yeah. And there's not many that really work from that era, if you ask me. Yeah. And Howard you know? Hawks showed himself to be a, yes, maybe this, the most versatile yeah, director. Yeah. This in was an example of history. that. Yeah. yeah. Like and, he directed Scarface. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, okay. Coming in at number twenty-four. Number twenty-four. The Jerk. All right. I think that's a classic. That's Carl Reiner? Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of The Jerk. I think it is one of the funniest movies ever. I think of any number of scenes. I can't even pick a a favorite scene. If I'm not mistaken, the guy who wrote Jaws also co-wrote this movie. Uh, I don't. 
his name. I don't know that. I don't I'm, know. I'm gonna, I'm blanking. Name. I know the guy. His name is Steven Spielberg. No, 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 no. <laughs> is it Peter Benchley? He wrote the book. <laughs> is it Carl Gottlieb? Yes, it's Carl Gottlieb. Okay. It's Carl Gottlieb. I don't know why okay. I blanked. Yeah, I believe he co-wrote no. that. Or okay. um, How old were you when The Jerk came out? The Jerk is 80? I want to, I 79, 79 or 80. 79 or 80. So I'm like, I'm... 22 or so something. So do you 21. remember, how was it received? It was, it was a, it was a hit. I mean, we, we all, like Steve Martin was this crazy multi, what's the word for it? He was like the king of all media. Right. Mm-hmm. He was like, he had the comedy albums. He was on yeah. SNL. He had this book called Cruel Shoes. I he love that. He was selling out yeah. arenas all over, had the King Tut record, had a record, uh-huh. you mm-hmm. know, a comedy. It's like he was, well, and then it was like, oh my God, he's going to do his movies. And um, uh, and I had seen Steve Martin do stand up. So. Because my question here yeah. is. Uh, the movie is for someone my age was introduced to me. Movie was introduced to me by my dad as a cl- as a classic, you know. Right. So I knew I, I I didn't I didn't have the vantage point of thinking, wow, this is a weird movie because it is really really weird. It is very strange. Yeah. And it, I, I guess what I've surreal. always it's wondered like, is, will the kids of people me and Tyler's age think of maybe Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore the way that I think of the jerk like not even question how weird those movies are billy madison maybe happy gilmore is not really that surreal okay um, it's been a long time since i've seen that but billy madison has you know it's billy got this very bizarre i mean there's I a musical number in that yeah. you know <laughs> thus yeah there's a musical number in that thus negating its comedy status as we all know but uh, i guess um, but you're saying when the jerk came out people of all ages it wasn't just no like no no i wasn't of all ages okay, okay. i feel like this was a young people's movie this okay. was a young person's comedy movie so the way i remember it and i i mean it wasn't because this is 1979 that's the same year manhattan came out like mm-hmm. that was okay. the adult comedy okay yeah this was so there more might be like something to my theory that it's it's not it's a, a different generations but not even a question not even a question Okay. Uh, he hates these cans. That <laughs> I love that so much, and I love that it's it's M. Emmett Walsh, right, who plays the the guy, right, yeah. and the things that he mutters to himself as he's shooting, and the way he found him was he just found him in the phone book, and that was it. So as he's shooting, he's like anonymous bastard. <laughs> I can't, I can't wrap my head around how hysterical that is. Uh-huh. I, I, uh, man, my I, favorite bits are the talking about how this is the best pizza in the cup. People come from miles around for this pizza in the cup and put all the other pizza in the cup guys out of business. And then the description of how long it feels like it's been that he's in, in this relationship. Right, right. That's is, one of the best comedy monologues yeah, 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 ever. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, number- Go, uh, keep going. I do feel like real quickly because he's not on this list anywhere. I feel like, in a way, Steve Martin at that time he changed dramatically after that movie. Actually, yeah. uh, was sort of a was sort of a W. C. Fields as far as surrealism in his mm-hmm. movies. Just like the plot is important, but these little vignettes that he's doing yeah. throughout it was what made the jerk great. We're going to go to number twenty three, and that's in the loop. Uh, is it? I want to say Armando Iannucci's. In the yeah, movie. yeah. Was he, he the director? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a fantastic movie. Have you seen it in the loop? Not only have I seen it, I saw it in the theater, and I feel like this is one that's even better when you watch it on. Te- one of the few movies better on television. Hmm. Why do you think that is? Because you can really hear. There's. I mean, it is. Yeah. Oh, so many gags. Very dense. And it's yeah. de- and the sarcasm in that movie. Like everyone is sarcastic yeah. in this movie. Yeah. It's, like. You're like 
drive carefully. Yeah, I would have never thought of that. Like all of that, <laughs> all through the entire movie. And it features a friend of the show, Johnny Pemberton, who is himself hilarious. Yeah, he's just a- like, well, I'm 22, but I'm going to turn 20. But, but to item, my birthday's in a few days, so we can, you know wait <laughs> uh, it's just such a wonderful and also, yeah. zach woods is think, in that yeah. Uh, yeah some people talk about that that some comedians use cussing as right. a crutch but it's so cu- the part where he says uh he says you're a boring fuck but i know you don't like that word so i'll sort that for you you're a boring f F-U. star star cunt yeah <laughs> it's so man and it's one of those things that like of course, it's also a, a wonderful satire. But one thing that I really like is you watch a new man and you think, man, aside from aside. From, and I never remember the actor's name, but he's, he's wonderful. The kind of dumber or most more just inept politician who. Oh, yeah. It's, um, uh, Tom. No. What is his name? Tom Hollander. Tom Hollander. Yes. Yeah. He's wonderful in it. But when you watch it, he's the one from, that goes the, the the mountain. Yeah. In order. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, aside from his character, I watch it and just be like, man, it'd be wonderful if everybody in politics was this smart. <laughs> yeah. Not that smart saves them. Don't get me right, wrong. Right, right, right. But yeah. it's just like, man, that's, it's like the flip side of the West wing. You want everyone to be as smart uh-huh. as, as these people are. And I um, love, uh, James Gandolfini calculating potential casualties of an invasion using a child's calculator that makes like <laughs> cow mooing sounds <laughs> as you're pressing the button. I guess I want to see it again. I'm yeah. gonna go. I'm gonna, that, that's yeah. what happens when that, I. Yeah, this really okay. makes me want to see. Now that's coming the, in at number twenty-two, we mentioned it earlier. Yeah, so we don't have to talk too long about it. I don't think Anchorman. No. Le- I think it's called The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Is the whole. That's the, that's the yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, we don't have to go into a lot of detail, but that's one that you and I saw in the theater. We loved it. Uh, I don't think I realized at the time how much impact it was going to have. Like, mm-hmm. Elf started people thinking like oh will ferrell's look at this he can carry a movie anchorman comes along and people are just like this is amazing like it built his career maybe the career of paul rudd uh adam mckay adam adam mckay i think steve carell i think it's steve Steve carell a lot because this was before the office but after 40 year old virgin right no before the year before before. oh yeah and so uh so it it made a lot of people's career by the way i am more a fan of adam's talladega nights as a comedy I do love Talladega Nights. I, I, I mean, not that everyone loves Anchorman. Yeah. And there's a song in it, so maybe it's a musical. Oh, yeah. Let's go on to number 21. Number 21, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Uh, fantastic film. It's no, There's no surprise that it's not going to be the last Monty Python film we talk about. Let right? me throw this out there regarding Monty Python. Uh, obviously, the everybody. Life of Brian in particular or just the whole thing? Uh, in general. Um, one of the movies that I submitted for my top 10 yeah. was meaning of life. Yeah. So few people submitted that. Yeah. Everything, obviously Holy Grail was big, yeah. but life of Brian, is Holy Grail, the Holy Grail of Monty Python movies. Uh, one could say so. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I was talking to some friends and said like, why do you think people, cause to me, do, as far as straight up laughs, meaning of life to me is, see, I disagree. And I love meaning of life. I think, uh, and again, our, our listener, this, I'm already shooting holes in my own theater because our listeners are sophisticated movie watchers. But I think mm-hmm. people who watch a lot of movies will often respond to Meaning of Life because it's a little more innovative or a little more daring yeah. in its execution and its formal uh, in its form. I guess. Yeah. Um, not only that, it's that it's uh, 
what's the it's episodic that it's built in sequences but it's it's it, it shows more virtuosic filmmaking than anything else they did yeah i do think uh, as somebody, i don't know that it's funnier than life of brian somebody did put out there that um that maybe the reason life of brian and then holy grail obviously like got submitted a lot more is that because they were first meaning of life is <laughs> yeah that's how uh <laughs> but because it's essentially a sketch movie it just won't resonate as much as movies that actually have like consistent characters in an arc and that kind of thing. So I guess that's right. But I do laugh so much. Life of Brian is funny. I find that funny. Holy Grail is funny. But the one I laugh out the, at the most is Meaning of Life. Interesting. Once in a while, I do meet somebody who's like, I'm lost on Monty Python. Like, I don't get it. I've met pe- like smart, funny people mm-hmm. who are just like. I'm sorry, I just don't can, get it. Can I tell a story that I have told multiple times oh, on the no. podcast about my dad? <laughs> there Jesus. Are plenty of things when it came to when I got more into movies and art films and stuff, my dad and I didn't see eye to eye. We didn't see eye to eye on music a lot. Right. Um, but when I was fairly young, I don't know how young, on a school night, PBS was showing flying circus episodes at like midnight and my dad came and woke me up because he loved Monty Python and he also knew me well enough to know that even at like 10 years old or whatever I was going to love it and so that's uh, it's a uh, that's a that's a bond that my dad and I share good well we're talking about movies let's continue <laughs> <laughs> okay um, uh, number 20 uh, number 20 I love this movie speaking of movies my dad loved uh, Fish Called Wanda yeah that's, can I just go real quickly sure uh, you can't make this movie anymore you cannot make fun of stuttering people in oh. a mo- in a major movie. It's over. Even if the even if even the if, guy making fun gets run over by a steamroller. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. The guy doing the making fun is no. clearly not the good guy in the movie. No, 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 no. You can't. I feel like you cannot do that. I, that's just my opinion. I might be wrong, and I maybe Quentin Tarantino might be able to do it, or you know, in a different in a different way. And admittedly, the stutter. Is played up in a in a humorous way in the performance as well. It's not even a question. It's just yeah, I right. just want to make that note to you film fans out there. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah, because it's been crushed by whatever that movement is called. Fish called Wanda. By the way, speaking of parents, Fish called Wanda is one of the films that my parents said you've got to see this, <laughs> and they probably showed it to me at an age when it's like I was maybe a little too young yeah, to yeah. see it. I still <laughs> laughed. I thought it was hilarious. And then as time has gone on, it's, and my mom has wonderful. gotten older, yeah. Uh, and uh wait your mom's the one who got older as time's my dad's on. dead so okay, okay, so okay. he stopped getting older <laughs> right, right, at a certain right. point uh but it's one of those and that's that's actually kind of key to the story because as she got older and maybe a bit more and kind of sanded the edge off a little bit not that yeah. she was an edgy woman but i i was visiting missouri and i uh i bought fish called wanda on dvd mm-hmm. and when i brought it home my mom said oh what's that i said oh this and she goes Oh, I remember that movie being really crude. And I said, yeah, but that didn't stop you and dad from recommending it to me. And then she said, she said, like, I feel like that was more your father's like, it was not. You totally, <laughs> you loved this movie. Don't back away from it. So Come funny. on. Okay. Uh, we can knock the couple, next couple out in one. No. Okay. You can. Um, Let's do it. Uh, 19 and 18 are City Lights and Modern Times. Yeah. On the way that worked out. Yeah. Um, not a single person submitted Gold Rush. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Gold, Gold, uh, Gold Rush is like the one, aside from him in the gears, him uh, in the cabin on the side of the cliff, eating the shoe, the whole deal. I feel like that is 
what sticks in people's minds uh, yeah. when it comes to Charlie Chaplin. No one submitted the gold rush. If I, I didn't Can I say, make a point about both these movies? Sure. They're both silent movies, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Both made in the non-silent era. Uh, yes. In fact, right? in modern times, there is one moment in which Where somebody, like, uh, like the, the boss, his right. face comes on a screen and he says something, but that's right. the only sound you oh, hear. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's right. kind of amazing. Uh, right. But that is true, yes. The if first, the first uh, true sound film he made was uh, The Great Dictator. Um, number 17, which obviously... By the saying, way, and The City Lights is one of my top movies of all time. Okay. My top yeah. ten. So keep going. Um, well, speaking of that, 17, that's pretty high. I would have put it higher if it were up to me. Raising uh, Arizona. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know if it's my favorite Coen Brothers, because my favorite Coen Brothers is Barton Fink. But, uh, wow. My favorite flat-out comedy Coen Brothers is definitely... God, there's so much that movie is so interesting. I saw it too young. Yeah, Sorry, not too young. (laughs) Too young for me. I don't think I was ready. This is like a theme with you, For the madcap. Kind of, yeah. But in some cases, I love it. Like, I loved Fish Called Wanda. I just feel like... I feel like this is a little... little, uh, Above my pay grade. Uh, Raising Arizona, I don't think I was ready for the madcap insanity of the film. And it kind of turned me off. To the extent that I've never gone back and rewatched it, really? I have no doubt that if I were to watch it today, I'd probably like it more. But I've never flipped out for it the way people have. It's it's unbelievably. Funny. I would well, I would recommend seeing it in a movie theater, Not which I've of. never done myself actually. Oh hmm. well, that, I, again, I'm going to talk about myself. You know, I do the Wayne Fetterman International Film Festival. Yes, every, and uh, yeah, we screened it. Uh, I think we screened it last year. I'm trying who's, to think whose choice was it. Um. It was not Dana Gould. It was, um, oh, it was uh, Nick Kroll. Oh, okay, yeah. Nick Kroll picked that. It was <laughs> incredible. Okay, let's yeah. keep going. Okay. All right. Um, now, let's next one. I, can I ramp it up? Sure, I'm going to ramp it. Do. Number 16, the number one comedy voted by AFI's yes. 100 Years, 100 Laughs, yeah. is this movie. It's called Some, Some Like, like it, it Hot. Right. A film I have. No one likes it. <laughs> okay, I, I love Billy Wilder. I love Jack Lemmon. Right. I've never responded to some like it hot. It's got a great last line. Don't yes, get me wrong. It does. Uh, I've never, I've never found it funny. All right. When AFI put it at the top, beating top. out uh, number one, number beating one. out. I believe immediately beating out Tootsie and Doctor Strangelove. And yeah. by the way, I, now might be a good time to say that Tootsie, another cross-dressing comedy. Yeah. Uh, I think a couple people submitted, and one of them was me. Uh, it did not make the list, and I feel like that is a uh, travesty. Right, right. See, I think it's one of the funniest movies of all time. Some like it hot. It just didn't. It I think is, this is an instance, and I don't like to is say it 1959. This. That movie is. Going I don't remember, but it's yeah, it's yeah. it's 50s. I know that he immediately yep, followed 59. up with the apartment. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Um, um, this might be a historical context thing that, like, whatever that movie did. To those people. To those people. In 1959. In 2014, as a 32-year-old, I just don't know. So this is the end of Eisenhower's administration. Yeah. We've had the U2 thing going. That's already happened. Um, Not the band U2. There was a spy plane. (laughs) Bono was even then. They've been around for a while. Kennedy is like starting to percolate. The the new frontier is going on. And like that's the movie. Yeah. And it's... I don't know. That's the thing. I'm always in the minority. What do you think of Some Like It Hot? Do you love it? I I, I don't connect with Some Like It Hot. Okay. And I c- couldn't be a bigger Marilyn Monroe fan. And I actually think Tony Curtis doing his Cary Grant impression. I do love, uh, you know what? You I know, do like that. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I might have put this bit of trivia out on the show before. There was a pilot episode for a Some Like It Hot TV series made mm-hmm. after the success of the movie. They never went through the series. But the first scene of the pilot episode is actually Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis walking the street saying, the mob is still after us. Uh, what are we going to do? Let's get facial reconstruction surgery. They go into a building. <laughs> the other two actors walk really? out. And then the show starts. That's... That I would like to say. <laughs> but the weird thing is they still would have come in and done the uh, the ADR because they couldn't get their voices changed. <laughs> um, I don't know if that exists anywhere. I've never seen it. I've just had that, you know, read about that. I don't know if that. Uh, anyway. Um, number 15, a movie that I love. Uh, not my favorite, Buster Keaton, but uh, up there. Uh, Sherlock Jr. Yeah, which and, is... Uh, I, I love it. I think it's amazing. Uh, I think it's just as much an, an achievement um, technically as it is comedically. Um, it isn't my favorite either. Um, okay. We will be talking about my favorite later. We won't be talking we about all, my favorite. We all know what the everyone's favorite. Uh, my favorite Not is, is. Oh no! Okay, uh, let's keep Steamboat Bill Junior. Steamboat Bill Junior is pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, Number fourteen. Uh, number fourteen. The apartment. Also, is, Billy Wilder. So yeah. within we have two within those years, fifty nine and sixty, right? Yeah. The, the apartment the one, is is a comedy. I know you're the arbiter. It's not too sad. Oh my god! It I'm is a very worst. sad movie. I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kind of person I hate. Um, yeah, I yeah. I mean, it is a comedy. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a comedy. It's a satire, obviously, right? And it's. Uh, Super sad. It's really yeah. sad. Yeah. It's, she, doesn't she try to kill herself in that yeah. movie? Yeah. And just and and the main character, like I think maybe this was the beginning of Gil from The Simpsons, as played by Jack Lemon, like the way like laughing so that he doesn't cry. And just like this is so sad to me. And it's a wonderful film. And I think I would count it as a comedy, but I'm not laughing. You know. <laughs> Number thirteen. Your favorite Buster Keaton movie? My favorite Buster Keaton. We yeah, agree on which this. Which is the general. the general. I think it's one of the best films of all time. Of course. Um, of course. And just... Incredible. Uh, and it, he understood so much about like film and the nature of comedy. He just instinctively understood it. And with the general, the idea of like constantly moving forward. But can I... I know I make this point all the time. All right. But uh, but while we're having this conversation... Is it possible to make an original point? Uh, during no, the, uh, because we're talking anymore. about classic okay. movies that come up a lot. It's episode okay. 391, Wayne. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but because we're talking about this idea of what genres are, I I think of the general as being... It has an lo- action? I think of it as an action. Okay, I can understand it's, that. There's plenty of that, but it's... But I'm laughing a lot, and and he goes out of his way to make sure I laugh, as along with the, the action. That bridge... Blowing up sequence and train crash. Uh-huh. That's all a real thing. <laughs> yeah. No special effects. Cool. That's a real thing he did. He had a, like 15 cameras on it to make sure he got it because you can only do it once. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. It works as an action film as well. Okay, we can move on. Uh, number 12, we said our Edgar Wright would be back. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Which I enjoy. I think I should probably rewatch it. I've only seen it once. Oh, it was about, it. about eight years ago. Oh, it's great. So, it's great. Um, okay, um, what's, what's up? Number 11, uh, Woody Allen Returns, Annie Hall. I love this movie. Yeah, I am uh, Annie, Annie Hall. Woody Allen is my favorite writer, director in the history of Hollywood. The okay. hundred and some years. Of, Did you like around. Magic in the Moonlight? Well, you know, he, he never misses. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did see it. I did see it. I didn't see it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, obviously this is the one that swept the out. Well, it didn't sweep the Oscars, but he won Best Director, yeah. won Best Picture of 1977, I'm going to say. Yep. Uh, beating out Close Encounters, right? Yeah, and, uh, Star and, Wars. Star Wars, and Star Wars. And Star Wars. Yeah. And it is, 
even though it's not my favorite of his movies, I could understand why this is the comedy that people would vote for because it is every comedic device is used in this movie. Yeah. There's split screen. He talks to the, he breaks the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uses animation. He uses subtitles. He, uh, there's, there's one, there's a couple other like tricks. He, I mean, it is the bag. Every arrow in his quiver is used yeah. in this movie. And, uh, you know, and, you would think, given all that, that this film would be not unlike The Jerk, almost this surreal thing. But at the heart of it is this relationship. Yeah. Uh, right. And that's and that's consistent throughout. Well, there was a book written by uh, Ralph Rosenblum called When the Cutting Stops. He was the editor of this movie. And mm-hmm. this is when Woody Allen started shooting a movie, would edit a rough cut, and then go, oh, I see what this movie should be. Hmm. And then would reshoot some scenes, and that's what happened in this movie. Because hmm. it was really a, a murder mystery at one point. Like, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that movie. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Oh, it's an inc- incredible story about how this got cobbled together almost accidentally. Wow. But yeah, and it was like, oh, it should be about her. <laughs> She's incredible, and it's yeah. a little romance. Wow. Um, okay. I don't, uh, needless to say, it's right in my sweet spot. This yeah. movie. It's almost time to get into the top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Real quick, want to mention? What do you mean? It is the top ten. Murder. But I want to mention our uh, final sponsor. Lastly. This episode is brought to you by the Double Feature Podcast, which takes two different films and compares them both thematically and artistically. This week, they're discussing Nicolas Cage's Sonny, not a good movie, and Charles Lawton's <laughs> The Night of the Hunter. One Great. of the best movies. One of the best movies. Uh, <laughs> both movies are the sole directorial efforts of these actors. What happened and why? The answer to this question can be found at doublefeatureshow.com or, as we would prefer, by clicking on the banner at battleshippretension.com. I love Double Feature. I love what they do. Uh, they and even finding stuff like this. Nicolas Cage only directed one movie. Yeah. Charles Lawton only directed <laughs> one movie, and uh, probably and it stayed at one movie for both, probably for completely different reasons. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. Okay, so we're in the top ten. Here we now. go. Top right. ten, number ten. Speaking of, you were talking about raising Arizona. Speaking of movies, I probably need to revisit Ghostbusters. All right. Who are you going to call? Uh, probably. Well, I can't. Not Harold Ramis. Oh, he's not around anymore. Yeah, Harold did direct Caddyshack. Did we say that? Uh, I think I, I think I said I, I thought he did. He I did. Right. Sure. Um, um, so uh, yeah, Ghostbusters. I remember loving it as a kid. I uh, really need to revisit it. I loved it as a kid because, and then of course I loved the cartoon and I bought the toys and it came with slime and that's fun. Um, and as time went on, and as I see it as an adult. The writing is so sharp in so many ways. And there are things that I realized were funny, I realize are funny that I, of course, as a kid, it goes totally over my head. Like, you know, Ray Stantz talking about, uh, like, when they are not necessarily professors, but they're working at the college. And he's like, he goes, this is, and they're about to get fired. He's like, this is easy for you to say. It's like, he goes, he goes, uh, at the college, we got resources and money. We didn't have to produce anything. <laughs> and just like this idea of like, Rather than acknowledge the fraud of his life, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he clings to it so desperately. So just stuff like that. I think it's a very sharply written film and one of the few instances of a comedy that features a lot of special effects and is not overwhelmed by the special effects. That's right. rare. Um, oh. But yeah, so that's and somebody that's also. This is not my idea. It said something that this is a movie that was the first where it's a movie about saving the world. Hmm. That's a comedy? Yeah, yeah, like that, and that kind of became a genre. You're like saving the world. I don't know if that's true, but. And there's, but the fact that it's saving the world, and Bill Murray never 
it never ceases being a comedy. There's never a moment where he drops the act and it's like, okay, seriously, this is like a, a problem. He's always him always. And it's, it's disconcerting to watch at times. Um, but yeah, so we, yeah, we can move on. Okay. Um, we can do eight and nine together. Um, yeah, I guess we should. Yeah, we got another yeah. back-to-back uh, directors tandem here: uh, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. Yeah, um, Young Frankenstein is probably my favorite uh, of his movies. Of his movies, but uh, I, I think I, you know I talked about with the Blues Brothers going through a period where I thought maybe I was too cool for that movie. Mm-hmm. I think I did the same with Blazing Saddles. I actually rewatched it only a couple weeks ago. It's so good. I love Blazing Saddles. Can I Shadows ask how so you rewatch it? Well, uh, at an outdoor, one of those uh, outdoor screenings at, at, a, the, at the Gene Autry Center. The Gene Autry, okay. Yeah. Um, the screening itself didn't go that well. There were some hiccups, uh, which I talked about already, already in the podcast. But Long story it, short, they forgot to turn the sprinklers off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Partway through the movie, the sprinklers on, on the lawn went off. That's true. Um, but uh, I think the, the parts that I thought I was too cool for in Blazing Saddles were the parts where you can kind of see him straining for the joke. You can almost see it's 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 the vaudevillian in him. You see him really just sweating to get okay. this out there. And now I love that stuff. I I love everything he that he himself does on in the film as the uh, is he the governor of the yes. state? Yeah, I think governor. So. yeah uh, all that stuff is um, and so the over Indian the, top. the Indian chief as well. Yeah, yeah. that's yes. right. That's <laughs> the, right. The Yiddish Indian chief. <laughs> um, and it's just watching that movie in a group of people mm-hmm. uh, in 2014 is jaw-dropping to like to really consider all the stuff that people say in that movie yeah oh my um i mean right from the beginning he's like uh i'm paying you to work not dance around like, like a, a bunch, bunch of kansas city faggots <laughs> which and by the way i love that line precisely because of how he says it and, and also because of the context of the time that kansas city is right. like the cosmopolitan <laughs> center of yeah it's hilarious and he's got another slim pickens is uh wonderful in that film and i like when he goes go back we're gonna need a shitload of dimes <laughs> i don't know why it's that's just the reading the line itself is fine but yeah. the reading and then like mel brooks as the governor and and when he just goes holy underwear we're gonna need to save our phony baloney chops <laughs> just the way he, I, but then it's of course but then of course then you've got the putting on the Ritz scene in Young, in Frank- Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Wait, before we get to that, can I say okay. about Blazing Saddles? My favorite, my favorite thing is when they break out of the wall and suddenly they're going in to see the screening uh-huh. at, oh, the, yeah. at the Chinese. And then Harvey Corman he buys the ticket. He gets a stu- he has a student discount card. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost it. <laughs> Students. <laughs> so, all right, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, so, and, that's, and that's exactly... That that's, is, it's stuff like that that makes, like, the greatest comedies is, like, in the midst of this broad, the broadest possible... Already they've gone from a Western to crashing a Busby Berkeley thing. But in the midst of that, they still find room for this little student ID thing. Yeah. He's got a student. (laughs) I forgot. So Uh, great. I know. We need to move on to Young Frankenstein, but my other favorite little visual gag (laughs) is the hangman hanging the man and his horse at the same time. And he talks like like Boris Karloff. That's right. Oh my gosh! Uh, right. But yeah, and young, young Frankenstein. and young Frankenstein. I what I one of the things I like about it is how much he embraced the style of the film that he was. I think making. that's why it ends up being my favorite. Yeah, but it's, it's the still, ultimate. Is that a parody? 
I guess it, yeah. I, it do, I think it's, so. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I would be definitely yeah. Yeah. to the extent of like. And what I like is every character has their thing. I mean, Igor, right. uh, you know, but then also, oh, hell. Ken something? Mars. Kenneth, Kenneth Mars. Mars, yeah. Mm, right. As the guy <laughs> with the, we- but it's not going to be the last weird arm we talk about, oddly enough. Uh, the weird mechanical yeah, arm. Yeah. And then using it to cheat at darts. <laughs> like, it's just, like, the thing that gets me about, and this happens with almost any great art. But especially with comedy, whether it be, you know, stand-ups or a film or whatever, you see it and you're like, how did you even come up with that? Where did that come from? And how did you, as it blew through your mind, how did you decide this needs to be in my film? And how did you you convince people to pay for it? Like, it just, it astounds me. And, And both of those movies have... Yeah, I the, forgot about that student ID thing. God, just, the force of his personality comes to yeah. those movies. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 in a weird way, I feel like Young Frankenstein is more Gene Wilder movie. I feel like it was his idea. Uh-huh. He wrote the script. I think we had the original draft of the script, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, and he, he, I mean, tour the force. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I can't get that. It could work. <laughs> Okay. Um, number seven, Duck Soup. It's been a while, but I do love this movie. I only saw it once, but for the first time, only a few uh, co- a couple years ago, uh-huh. and I uh, enjoyed it tremendously. It took me a now, minute. Now this is a Paramount Marx Brothers movie, right? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I, I know I know precious little about the Marx Brothers, unfortunately. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. I believe they did Paramount movies that were not that successful. I think Duck Soup is the last, and then they went to MGM and. Mm-hmm. Okay. They they did the bigger ones okay. like, that were more successful, like but Night at the Opera. Yeah, yeah, space. but I believe Duck Soup is like was rediscovered in the '60s by the college kids because it was kind That's of an anti-war, right? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a really strong, yeah. like the Vietnam satire. kids totally, and now it became like, and it's still, it's interesting that it's still that it's above Night at the Opera. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it's. Uh, and it took when I watched it. It took me a moment to fall into the rhythms of the Marx Brothers because yeah. there was nothing really like it at the time. Even like just the even general vaudeville and like comedy teams. Like there was nothing quite like that. Especially well, I for- took a course in college, a comedy course in college at mm-hmm. NYU, and we spent three weeks on the Marx Brothers. Like, yeah, or maybe two weeks. Like he really like broke down those characters archetype the trickster the yeah. you know mm-hmm. the malaprop guy the silent guy. it was amazing amazing i mean i feel like they real there was another comedy team at the same time called the ritz brothers okay i've heard and of if that. you ever yeah. see the ritz brothers they're basically all kind of doing the same thing hmm. like there's no they're just it's like so i just feel like the march brothers just nailed it in a huge way huge way although Sometimes they're movies. Like when I go to see them, they don't quite hold up as a movie, even though there's sections of it. Almost like Albert Brooks films. Like, okay. I feel like they don't. A lot of times it doesn't hold up as like, oh, this is an incredible movie. But him trying to get his money back is one of the greatest comedy scenes yes. you've ever seen. Yes. Or uh, this Vietnam, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. There's I might a- be wrong about that. Well, you know, it's, I've it been is, wrong already on this podcast. <laughs> We've established that. That's I don't my, it's mighty big of you to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, uh, but there is a scene. Uh, it's one of the. It's not the last scene in the film. Right. Uh, the last one of these in the film. But um, when 
Groucho is talking to this you know older woman, yeah. and she's saying stuff, and he's just coming in with his one liner, and it's funny. But the film certainly does pacing wise, it stops so that this scene can, can play out yeah. in the medium shot. And it took me a minute. I'm like, these are funny, but like I have to. Com- it was madcap until this moment. I have to completely readjust while there's no music playing. It's just a two shot of her saying stuff, and he says something else. Yeah. It, like it took me a minute to get used to it but almost in the way that you uh talked about annie hall each brother is a different thing and so each uh, so that it embraces so many different styles of comedy yeah um and if there's one you don't like give it a minute <laughs> there'll be another one uh, along in and moment. i also like that as a rule they didn't whenever harper played the harp it wasn't funny i just thought that was a fascinating he <laughs> <laughs> never did funny harp bits it was just yeah. like guess what he's seriously going to play a romantic song on the harp for two and a half minutes <laughs> and then we're going to get back to groucho running around and, 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 and then he grabs a lady's yeah. leg and it's like it's so bizarre all right it's like well we can't have an actual intermission what can we do instead <laughs> just gonna seriously play the harp all right what's up number six number six talk about influential this is spinal tap all right. Not yeah. as many people. Well, this is the only tech. father son on the list, right? Because we have a Carl Reiner film that's true. and a Rob Reiner film. Yeah, that's true. Um, although I think, and this 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 is a, a debate that happens. Yeah. Did Christopher Guest influence This Is Spinal Tap, or did This Is Spinal Tap influence Christopher Guest? Uh, I, I wouldn't. I'd have to. I don't know. I'd have to have been there, I guess, to know. How I that almost happened. because this is from it's a Rob Reiner film, but when you see. The director that Rob Reiner is, right? You almost feel like, okay, how much of this was the influence of Christopher Guest, or did he enjoy what Rob Reiner did so much that he would do that the rest of his life? It's it's hard to say. But even apart from Christopher Guest, this movie is so influential. I mean, how many mockumentaries have yeah. we seen? I mean, even is the it off, the, the first office? mockumentary? I don't know. That's a good question. Officially, There's... no. I think didn't uh, Fellini do one? Oh, maybe I don't remember. But uh, but yeah, it's it's one of them. It, certainly, it's the the one that like made it popular and and that sort of thing now did uh, it resonate with you because you someone born in the 80s certainly an 80s hair band or whatever that band was I and mean, it wasn't quite a hair band but it was those hard rock bands like that genre I, would have been long gone by the time you i don't even yeah. know when i first saw it which usually i'm pretty good at knowing when i first saw a movie but by the time i saw it i had already seen i think best in show uh, and i had already seen Waiting for Guffman. So I saw, and those, by the way, there are more laughs in those. This is Spinal Tap. It's more just humorous throughout, but it takes it so, it's so straight faced the whole yeah. time, which as time has gone on, I value that tremendously. Like, you know, it's such a fine line between clever and stupid. That's like my favorite lines part, like yeah. that are amazing. And of course, the songs themselves are hilarious, but done so sincerely. Those songs could. I feel like they could have been released at the time, and no one would have known they were they were a joke. I don't know. Big Bottom, maybe not, but like yeah. Bitch School. <laughs> have you heard Bitch School? It's first off, it's really catchy, right. but also it has it just drips of misogyny right. in a way that I feel like people might have embraced. What was the name of the? Was it Lick the Glove? Was it the album? Smell, Smell the, the Glove. glove. Smell, the glove. Yeah, Smell yeah. the glove. Smell the Glove. Smell the Glove. Smell the Glove. I think I uh, I definitely saw it before I saw Best in Show and probably before Waiting for Guffman. I don't remember for sure. But I think, unlike, I've talked a lot about movies from like the, what, what year is this? 84? 80, I'm going to okay. guess. I think so, yeah. yeah. So I think that was, I talked about these movies from before then as being like with the GR and Blazing Saddles, things my dad loved. 
and Monty Python. Mm-hmm. This was one that I feel like my dad was probably just a few years too old. He was already a father and stuff and wasn't really going to the movies. He had little yeah. kids by the time this came out. So by the time I was a teenager, it already had more of a cult reputation than I think people give it now. Like everyone seems to love it now. But in my mind, in the 90s, reading about This is Spinal Tap, it was a movie the cool kids liked. They yeah. knew. They uh, would know what that yeah, movie was. Yeah, and so I think yeah. I, yeah. I sought it out because of that. Yeah, it's uh, and by the way, uh, if you happen to own it on DVD, watch the commentary because the the three guys do it at, in character, character, and it's man, it's amazing. I've, I haven't heard that. That's that's all right. Not all right. Number five. Moving on, the final Coen Brothers appearance on the list: uh, The Big Lebowski. I uh, think he, okay. So one, I've thing, already stated my preference for Raising Arizona as a comedy. I do think Big Lebowski is pretty damn amazing. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. I laughed it hysterically. Um, do I think it's one of the do I think it's one of the top five comedies of all time? I don't know. I guess it's not gonna you know it does have a a weird hold, I feel like, on film fans. Yeah. Like whenever people talk about it, they're just like, ah, this is it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and I think this could also be a gen I think this speaks to the the age of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um because uh it took a while for the film to catch on. Uh but then once people found it and admittedly i saw it with my dad and i thought it was hilarious my dad liked it too much to my surprise uh and then all i did was try to convince my friends to go see this movie with the weird name uh-huh. um and uh because was it a hit at the time i don't think I don't so think not was. really a lot right. of and, and a lot of critics said like this is a step back from fargo right know? right which is the same thing that would happen to them 10 years later with burn after reading not that yeah. burn after reading is as good as the big lebowski but burn after reading being right after no country for old men i think really affected its uh reception whereas i think burn after reading is actually a really really good movie and you know anytime a movie and that's the thing there there are more recent movies on this list but anytime a movie like big about but they don't place this high you know this is the most recent film on the top 10 i believe right absolutely and so anytime a movie comes out like in my lifetime like in my adult lifetime i mean i was 16 but i still at that point i was into movies but like Anytime a movie comes out in my adult lifetime and then it places this high on a list, I'm naturally suspicious, <laughs> I, I and I feel like, well, that's going to go away. But in, in, I don't. It, it might, might not. Ne- it yeah, might I don't not. think Big Lebowski will, and I think I will have to just make peace with the fact that everyone likes Big Lebowski better than Raising Arizona, and I should stop right. proselytizing. Yeah. And, okay, number four is a movie directed, if I'm not mistaken, by three people. The only one on the list. Yeah. One, oh yeah, absolutely. But two of them with the same name. Yes. yes. Um, so that should give from 1980. Now I'm looking at your list here, and it's missing one of it's missing part of the title. Yeah, you I know. have here on the list Airplane. When the name of the movie is Airplane. Yes. Exclamation no. point. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, I remember reaction, the one for safety last. Yeah. Um, my first reaction seeing this in number four is a, not only number four, but then I look at the top three, and I'm not sure which one I would get rid of. Yeah. But Airplane would probably be number two for me. Yeah. Also, uh, Wayne Fetterman International Film Festival. Uh, screening by jimmy pardo we had a yeah. great time yeah. this uh, but as we were putting this incidentally as we were putting uh not as we were putting this as we were entertaining it you and i we often uh differ in our like comedy go-tos as like the best comedy of all time you say holy grail uh-huh. and i say airplane yeah um and then and we we really thought it was going to be between those two yeah for the t- the number one spot and it didn't and it was but, three and four no spoilers um, by the way yeah, but uh, so airplane uh, is, as you know, it's full, we, we talked about you know Naked Gun was on the list earlier. It's it's lumped in with those kind of movies, mm-hmm. but I think it also um, 
is it should be mentioned along with other movies on this list like Young Frankenstein which takes on so much of the aesthetic of the movies that it's parodying and also with Edgar Wright's movies in the way that it uses the camera and the editing mm-hmm. to tell jokes apart from what's on the page. Yeah. There's my favorite bit in the movie is uh, when Robert Stackman <laughs> will come in the middle of the night and he's getting ready to go to the airport and his wife is helping him yes. put on his jacket and tie. Oh, and the dog. The framing, yeah, it looks like they're standing and looking oh, in like the mirror that, while oh, he's like getting that. ready. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, like, I think the dog comes through or something and you realize, oh, they're just standing in a doorway. Why yeah. are they both looking straight ahead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's real Buster Keaton stuff, yeah. honestly, uh, like using yeah. the camera to kind of manipulate another. And because it, it immediately, like, you laugh, <laughs> and that is a wonderful image but like you laugh but you're also jarred a little bit like yeah. there's another one i think this is in the airplane i often get the mix the jokes mixed up with airplane and airplane two mm-hmm. um but yeah robert stack's not an airplane two he's only in the first right. one. Okay. okay he's wearing sunglasses and he whips them off dramatically and he's uh, wearing another pair uh, underneath <laughs> and then he whips that pair off as well a moment later and just like it's little things like you couldn't pop this goes to what I was saying before. Who would ever think like, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if you had another pair of sunglasses underneath? Not even just a pair of glasses. He has another pair of sunglasses. It makes no sense, but I can't stop laughing at that. Yeah, speaking of, this is a movie that needs uh Harpo to come in and play a harp for two and a half minutes. Because like, when I watch the movie, I feel like I'm going to die sometimes. Yeah. Cause I'm laughing so consistently. And it's just such a joke machine. I mean, you can watch it. I've seen it many times and I think some of it is, oh, I didn't notice that. And other times it's, I'm a different person than I was when right, I last right, saw it. Right. And now this appeals to right, me. Right. And, there, and it's every, like we've said uh, with other films, it's so many different types of comedy. Even the character of Johnny, who just shows up with one-liners. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Apropos of nothing. Uh-huh. And he's like the only, by the way, he's like the only one in the film who gets jokes. Like he's, <laughs> everyone else is dead serious, but he shows up and just says this stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Wayne, are you a fan of uh, Airplane? A huge fan of Airplane. I, yeah. And I especially like the, uh, again, the stuff that you maybe can't do as much anymore, like the, the racial, the jive. Yeah. The, <laughs> right, yeah. the thing. I also like the the hitting. Like you're like people actually slap women hard in this movie. They're like, all right, I swear. And people are lining up to hit her, right? They're yeah. take her and then hit her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody has a pipe. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I, I just like the the escalations of all the joke. There's uh, there's a little joke when he's going through the airport and. Uh, He's like, oh, uh, Harry Krishna, and he hits yeah. them. And, the, and there's one where it's like, Jerry's kids, and he hits them. <laughs> like, it's very quick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a film that, like, I would not have assumed, and I feel like maybe when I was younger uh, and more pretentious right. and trying right. to prove something, I feel like I still laughed at Airplane, but I never would consider it the best comedy because right. really – what is there to it aside from just laughs? Like there right. needs to be something more. Uh, that's, that's that's your younger self. Talk. That's my younger. self. I can see that on your face. The listener yeah. can't hear you. Yeah, face. yeah. Sorry, I tried to. Also, <laughs> there's another. My voice. I, I, I wanted you to continue, but there's another gag in the the flashback scene with the dance thing. Yeah, where somebody gets stabbed in the back and he's trying to, <laughs> trying to yeah. and everyone's dancing like him, <laughs> yeah. pointing to the knife in his back. Or when in the flashback when he's painting the. Soldier jumping out of the burning oh, right. jeep, and there's like a still life. Like he actually has a model pretending to be jumping out. And of doesn't the jeep. Lloyd Bridges at one point 
pose like the picture behind yes. him. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's oh. just, uh, and so that's the thing is like, it's just joke after joke after joke. And I think, and because I, at the, when I was younger, didn't find any deeper meaning in it, I right. thought it was a cheap comedy somehow. Right. But now I think what I, I love its commitment to just being pure comedy and this idea of like, Taking such a serious genre right. as the disaster film with its giant cast and right. its, bomb- its bombast, um, and it's and it's saying like, yeah, th- it's ridiculous. Like <laughs> everything's ridiculous. Right. Let's just take the air out of it a little yeah. bit. This is one of the things comedy does, and we'll I, more I about it. it's number one. But speaking of seeing it as a kid, that just reminded me of there's the joke of. The the wife's inner monologue was like, John never has a second cup of coffee at home. <laughs> As a kid, I didn't get why that was funny, but I yeah. still laughed at it. Right. And one thing, you know, one thing. But you know uh, that's a commercial parody. No, I see. I still didn't know that's that. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, there's a couple of things that are like, hey, yeah, that was a commercial of the time. So you wouldn't know that. Right. And also, the lady that comes over that does I Speak Jive was... Like right. the mother on Leave It to Beaver, yeah, so yeah, like Barbara Billingsley yeah. or something. Reruns when I was a kid. So oh, okay, but like that. there was a couple of those yeah. of the moment. There's like a Ronald Reagan reference in the middle of that movie. Like <laughs> I haven't seen Reagan film. I haven't felt felt this bad. This like he eats the fish. Or oh yeah, yeah. Right. I saw that Ronald Reagan like movie. <laughs> yeah, Ronald Reagan movie. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing that I guess it's a joke, but. Panic has set in, <laughs> and a and a, 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 oh, the a woman's breast, breast just yeah, 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 frame and just right. jiggle, just jiggle around, and then they leave. That, isn't there? Uh, okay, I, mean, I, I could be getting this confused. Airplane too, but isn't the sign that like no smoking rows one through thirteen, and then it's like the like pictogram of the couple having sex, and it's no sex <laughs> rows fourteen through twenty six. That might be whatever. maybe that's airplane two. I don't remember too. exactly, but uh, but I feel like that. That just gratuitous yeah, yeah. boob shot. Right, right. I feel like that's an example of something that would not happen now. <laughs> right. I think people would be like, Especially what's so funny about that? And like, it wouldn't be rated PG. Yeah, that's Sorry, true. PG. As well. I have to stop myself. PG. That's yeah. all it's rated. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the okay. okay, number three, which would be my number one. We already gave it away. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, I, I mean, I laugh just as consistently, I guess, uh, as I do um, in Airplane. But I think I responded to Holy Grail as a younger kid because I think it made me feel smart. Mm-hmm. Uh and that thing with your dad. Uh, yeah, my dad loved <laughs> okay, it. Okay. Um, and yeah, one thing Airplane doesn't have is a stuffy old professor guy getting his throat slit and bleeding <laughs> all over the place, which the young me who was already responding to dark comedy definitely liked that. Yeah. And, like, and the Black Knight, like the, the fact that there's dismemberments and there's the, you know, yeah. the rabbit that like eats people's throats out and stuff. Like yeah. uh, I responded to that sort of thing. So it's, I guess it's personal preference that puts this above Airplane for me. I think uh, the inherent quotability of Holy Grail um, soured me on a little bit and it's not the film's fault it's everybody else just saying like just but a flesh wound like people uh-huh. I heard that so much that it stopped being funny to me right um, and I feel terrible about that uh, yeah, I can't I feel like that that's not the film's fault yeah I don't I don't blame the film but for reasons that I can't put on them I don't enjoy it as much. I can still objectively say, like, that's a funny joke, but I don't laugh as much out loud as I do with something like uh, Airplane. But it's still great, of course. And can we say the best credit sequence? The and the, <laughs> yeah. No, and the closing credits. I like the there's, closing there's, credits, yeah, too. There's some closing great, yeah. there's right. great gags in that as well. Yeah. Do, do, do. I think Airplane actually has a couple gags also in their closing credits, Probably. if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while. Probably. Yeah, awesome. something. Oh, can't but yeah. The opening enough. credits with the... Okay, we're down to our top two, bombers. guys. Okay. Um... Okay, 
I'll say this. Uh, when people were sending stuff in, one and two, it was neck and neck with what is number what is now number two uh, at number one pretty consistently for a while. And then uh, more people started weighing in. Uh-huh. Late surge. Late surge. And then number one right. blow, blows everyone else away. Right, right, right. Uh, but number two, a much better showing that I than I ever expected. And I think this speaks to like, okay, this movie is now seen as a definitive comedy classic, if not one of the best films of all time, yeah, according to some. All of our lifetimes, but it's yeah. old enough to be a classic. Yeah, at this I point, saw I it in say, the theater, and uh, and it's one of those things that when people look back, they say, this is a film that should have gotten Oscar nominations. What's the film we're talking about? Harold Ramis's Groundhog Day, which is, you know, that's very, that's very exciting. It's a film I love, uh, and it manages to be... See, this is the kind of film that... When I was younger, I could point out and say, see, we've got a character growing, but it's still really funny, but they're not sacrificing. Like, I would have said that, uh, but I'm not distant. I'm not distancing myself from the film now as a result. Mm-hmm. It's still a wonderful film that still has tremendous meaning to it as well. Um, you know, that was what, 93, 92? It's early 90s. I, I, wanted yeah. to, I wanted to say 92, but that could be yeah, right. I saw it in the theater with my parents. And I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but Wayne, you were a full-on grown-up. Yes, I was. It. Yes, I was. What was your response to well, it? Well, I mean, it killed in the theater. It was to 92, right? 93. 93. Okay. Um, I mean, it destroys it. I mean, it was a very funny movie all the yeah. time. I, I feel like Andy McDowell's performance is the only thing that's weak in that, that movie. And it's not even that bad. It's not that bad. Speaking. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. But it's, uh, the, I, I don't know. I... Uh, I like it. I don't have that quite as high as these other movies, but mm. I, I don't know. I mean, it just—it's one of those that worked beginning, middle, and end. I mean, it did yeah. have an end. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't. Uh, but it is a romantic comedy, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think but it I, I qualifies think that. that. Uh, I, I think that's sort of um, a s- superficial aspect of it. Uh, I don't uh, like. I think, yeah, it is a. It's very apparent that it's a romantic comedy, but I think the more times I see it, the less important that part of it is. It's just it's about his personal journey. But it's one aspect of it. Like I'm just as committed. I'm just as invested in seeing his arc with Ned uh, as right. with. That's her. what I'm saying. He doesn't like finally get to snap out of the cycle because of his love for her. It's right. about his own. Yeah, just being a better journey. person in general. Yeah, and, and so that's why that's not the chief thing for me. But something I want to compare to, and this will be uh, sacrilege maybe to you, but why why Groundhog Day is better than, say, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is a movie that I love. Mm-hmm. I, I but, think it probably is. Um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, like a lot of movies, like comedies with heart, the ending of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles doesn't have a lot of jokes in the last right. play, in the last act. I mean, to, to some extent, it doesn't. It becomes serious groundhog day has this very sweet serious ending but it's always a comedy first oh yeah and i think that's really respectable that it could do that and not lose track of its of its character and its themes and its story yeah yeah it's just it's a really consistent film that is funny throughout in a number of different ways uh and has and really explores uh explores themes without ever flashing we're exploring themes you know <laughs> yeah. it's just about like yeah you've only got a short time on this earth to be a better person stop being such an asshole um all right, all right number one. Oh, i closed the thing so now i don't know what it is oh no <laughs> and my <laughs> phone's gonna die how are no. we doing on time by the way uh, we're close to two hours so yeah, we should, okay let's uh, go so, okay uh okay last year 
are the you guys voted the number one horror movie. Not me and Wayne. Not you and Wayne. Yeah, when you uh, well, say you guys. You're you guys. I listeners. mean the listeners. Um, you voted Stanley Kubrick's The Shining as the best horror movie of all time. You've embraced Kubrick again, that comedic master, uh, for Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, so you don't f- have to call it the whole thing. I think you have to call it either or. That's no, true. that's the title of the movie. That's the whole title. Yeah, I'm just joking. Oh, okay. Because I like the idea of people saying, no, I call it how I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh boy, that would be, I would hate that person. There's got to be someone out there, right, that's right. doing that. It's like, I can call it whatever I want. They've given me permission. Right. Um, yeah, this is a film that uh, was in my top, my personal top 10, uh, like, of life for a long time as one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, in preparation for this episode, I went and watched it again. And uh, I'm, I'm incorrect about Airplane. Oh, okay. And I'm incorrect this. that it is not in my top ten of all time. Uh, it is an uh, it is an amazing movie uh, in every possible way. When it is funny, it is laugh out loud funny, but it is also committed to scenes that aren't remarkably funny. Uh, scenes of procedure, of showing people going through all the things they need to do right. to make this bombing happen. And I remember when I was younger, I liked those scenes. But I didn't understand why we were taking so long. And the idea is they're uh, they're showing this thing is fail safe. Right. Like it can't look at how much procedure there is. Surely what we're watching happen could never happen. But it does. And the more time they spend on all the different steps that need to be taken, the more it sinks in. Like one crazy guy totally uh, (laughs) circumvented it all. Um so I like that. I like the characters. As time has gone on, David, you and I both have uh, developed a huge appreciation for George C. Scott. Yeah. Uh, Peter Sellers gets a lot of the press, and rightfully so. He's wonderful. But Wait. George C. Scott is pretty amazing. Who plays the guy who says you'll have to answer to the... That's cool. Keenan Wynn. What's his name? Keenan Wynn. Keenan Edwin Skid. Is that? he his kid? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that scene is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Sterling Hayden yeah. playing... To the, playing it so straight, part of me is like, does he know he's in a comedy? <laughs> but you can't be saying that bodily fluids thing and not know you're in a comedy. Right, 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 right. I, I, I'm with you on the George C. Scott. I feel like George C. Scott's performance is, and the more I read about it, it's like he hated that performance. Yeah. Didn't want, didn't like it. It's, he falls at one point, doesn't he? He Gets falls us. and continues the line. <laughs> like, it's... Why didn't he? I didn't know this. He... Yeah. He thought it was too broad, and so he would. He was playing much smaller, and then Kubrick said, well, how about this? Give me one big one. Right. And he would do it for every take, and then he always used that <laughs> take. Oh, wow. So, George Scott felt and like also, he was bamboozled. I feel like Kubrick uh, also um, dodged a bullet in that movie, in that he had this famous pie yeah. fight sequence that is the definition of slapstick, yeah. which this movie is a satire, and I think mm-hmm. might have killed that movie. I, you know what? I think it might have. I think it's. If it it would have been a big pie fight yeah. scene in the war room, right? Is yeah, that where it takes place. Yeah. It's and it's so absurd that I think it would be funny once, but I don't think people would appreciate that upon repeat viewings. I think when the time come, when the time would come, and the pie, the big pie fight would happen. Yeah, um, I think people would be like, okay, yeah, I saw it once. It's funny that it's there, but that's the end of it. As opposed to the ending now. Which is Strangelove standing to make a point, astounded that he's standing and walking, 
yells out, Mein Fuhrer, I can walk. <laughs> and then a couple of small steps, and then the world explodes. <laughs> it, it is so... such uh, With that wonderful song, We'll Meet Again. Yeah. Um, Vera... Fields? Oh. Vera Fields? Vera... I don't remember now. Vera something. I did have uh, like a, a, a CD compilation of music from... Meet again. Yeah, because it's, it's not only her, there's this like... Sounds like a bunch of British soldiers yeah. singing along with her in the background yeah. in a sing-along situation. Vera Lynn. Vera, Vera Lynn. Lynn. Yeah. Vera Fields. Um, yeah. And, you know, as we were t- it occurs to me, as we were talking about... It's so evocative. That ending is so yeah. evocative. Can I say my other problem with that movie? Okay. And I hate to... I feel like there's too many shots of the model airplane over the... Oh, yeah. There's like... I feel like he cut to it... Way too many times. Not like a couple too many. Like you mean the 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 exterior shot, not the yes, interior. You're no, fine with the interior. Not at all. The yeah. exterior shots. Uh, that's that's probably true. I think uh, if you watch it again, I'm I love it. I mean, I can't get yeah. enough of that movie. Uh, right yeah, from I think the get-go. An, an argument could be could be made for that. Just after a while, it's like we've you've well established what the cockpit is. We know we're in a plane. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Uh, but what do I, what a thing I was going to say is that as we were talking about Young Frankenstein, yeah. the Blazing Saddles, we sat here and laughed our asses off. Right. We're not necessarily laughing at Doctor Strangelove the way we were at uh-huh. those, and yet I do consider it to be certainly a better, I think, a better film, but also a better comedy. And I think maybe it's because the laughs, the laughs for me, they just are so. It's packed. A, I think what the reason I love the movie in a different way than I would Blazing Saddles is how audacious the right. idea yeah. of but nuclear I, war. I, it's, yeah, it seems yeah. almost impossible that you could make that, and that, I, that he was successfully made that movie. And it's Kubrick. I mean, there's just so many yeah. elements that go into it. And more than just like, oh, the makes fun of Pepsi or Coke or whatever, <laughs> the, the, yeah. you know, whatever that little gag is. Yeah. Uh, but and you, that's you, to me. Go you, ahead. You, as far as why we're not like reliving our favorite parts, I think part of it, uh, Mel Brooks's comedy is so based on, and the airplane is so based on gags. You can say this happens, isn't that funny? Yeah. I think so much of the humor in D- Doctor Strangelove, because things are taken so seriously by the characters who don't know they're in a comedy. Yeah. So much of the the comedy comes from performance. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I like it's hard to say like. Oh, that part when he's talking to the Russian president on the phone. Oh, yeah, like, that's, that is uh, yeah. maybe my favorite scene. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. But it's right. hard to just say that and we all laugh. What does he I'll say? Be- what does he go, Nick? What's the president's name? Kissoff. Premier Kissoff. Oh, but what's his oh, first name? Oh, the, 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 pre- the U.S. president. No, uh, no, no. How, no. What does he call? Yeah, he, Dimitri. 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 It's like in the country. Dimitri. Dimitri. I did this. I did that uh, as an audition in high school. You did. That, that monologue. Uh, I, tried to, I tried to make it my own and not just repeat what yeah. he did. But sometimes you can't help yourself because there's no funnier way to deliver that. And so the there's okay. So I'll say this whole thing. There's a line in there that is not written funny. It's not inherently funny. It's purely in the performance. You're absolutely right. And it's so I'll lead up to it. It's uh like uh, now then, Dimitri. You know that we've always <laughs> talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. <laughs> The bomb. <laughs> the hydrogen bomb. Okay, that's not even what I was going to say. Uh-huh. Anyway, so he goes, 
So one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. <laughs> you know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. <laughs> that line, well, I'll tell you what he did. It kills me. I can't even wrap my mind around why that is funny. And I think it's because the brilliant is, the brilliance, I think, is imagining the other side and the fact that right. he, it sounds like he's talking to a child. Right. Because you can just imagine this drunk Russian guy being like, what did he do? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, what? he did. It just, it, yeah, David, I think you're right. It's like the lines are funny. The the gags we'll put quotes around that right. are funny, but it's it's almost all context. Like right. you need to see all of the film. You need to see the faces of the characters. You need the uh, you need to hear the cadence. Um, it just uh, to really appreciate it. And so I do think it's certainly one of the best films of all time. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm perfectly fine with it being voted. Even though it wasn't one of my, even though it wasn't my initial thought, I think the listeners are right. All right, guys, congratulations! This was a very good list. In my I think opinion. it was. Yeah, I think and I, I think Safety Last was the earliest movie okay. from 1923. What's the latest one? Is it Ground? It's not Ground. Uh, Hot Fuzz, I think. Oh yeah, from the 90s. Oh, that's 2007. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think that's the most. Yeah, recent that sounds one. right. Here is um, here is a thing. I'll, I'll that, say of the list we've done, this is my favorite. I think this is the one where I agree agree most okay i found myself saying less other than caddyshack which i'm not a big fan of i haven't had a lot of disagreements with the listeners on this let me ask you this real quick yeah because we gotta get wrapped yeah. this up yeah um real quick there is one foreign film on here and it's yeah. playtime which incidentally is a is a very silent film there's not a lot of talking in it mm-hmm. in fact if i recall correctly there might not be any uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember anything, uh, any people like really uh, talking a lot. And so now while we do have an international audience, it is primarily English speaking countries, the U.S., uh, U.K. and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when we made our horror list, there were foreign films. When we made our top, the, when we did the top hundred list, there were foreign films with comedy there was almost there's none except this one that's almost the, that's almost purely visual. So now my question is: I know my my theory. My question is: Why do you guys think with a, 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 a listenership that is not opposed to foreign films? Why do you think there are no foreign comedies on this list? I, I mean, I think most of our audience is English speaking, and I think it's harder to get across jokes with subtitles. That was kind of my. That's what I, where I arrived, and I feel like that's. And I'm curious. That sounds right. That sounds right. And I'm curious to know, uh, listeners, feel free to comment on this. Like, is that something you agree with? Do you think, not to imply that there's no foreign comedies that I've that I haven't, you know, that there's none that I've laughed at. Surely right. there are. But when I certainly when well, I think first of my of all, favorites is in the loop. Counted as a foreign comedy. It's it's yeah 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 okay. You okay. can't always understand what they're saying, but yeah. <laughs> um, and so, listeners, if you if you agree with that or if you disagree with that. Um, do you think it's just narrow-mindedness, or do you literally think, like, it when you when you have to read something, yeah. it's not going to work as well? Because um, there there is, I hate to say it, even in Mel Brooks, there is subtleties that need to be yeah. understood yeah. and multiple levels. Yeah. Right, and there's idioms that might not. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, holy underwear might not be funny to everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's or, probably or true. Or phony baloney, yeah. Yeah. So that was something I wanted to mention, uh, because anytime a list gets made, it's, it's worth noting, like, 
something big that is not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps another thing that is uh, noted, a lot of these comedies are not... Uh, like, for like, I can't even think how to say... Uh, these comedies are very white. Uh-huh. And very male. And very male. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, so, like... Uh, a number of people did submit coming to America. Yeah, um, one of mine. It almost made it, but not. Uh, but it did not. And so, um, same with Trading Places, which is not necessarily like, not to the extent that Coming to America is like a black comedy. Right, right. Um, it's it's a mix. But uh, but yeah, those you are really say the only Beverly two. Hills Cop is a comedy. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so I feel like I don't know. I'm not sure what I could extrapolate from that either. Whether it's that there's just not as many great comedies featuring, you know, African Americans or or whatever, or that people just don't, or that our listenership just hasn't seen them. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But All anyway, right. so sorry to end on that weird note. Yeah, that's no, uh, good. No, it's worth I felt good. No, I felt good about the list, and now I feel like a racist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, we'll be yeah. back next week with our salute to the Washington Redskins. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Okay, you can find us being racist at battleshipretention.com. Uh, that's where this podcast and all the other podcasts in the BP fleet are, including all, uh, all of our movie reviews are also there. Um, by this time, there'll be a review of uh, Adam Wingard's The Guest, which is a movie that is not a comedy but is very funny, mm-hmm. so worth talking about. Um, uh, you can email us, david at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at ThePretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Anything going on? Uh, We're two I, weeks out. so I, Yeah, I don't know what yeah. uh, what's there. Exactly. My other podcast is uh, the TV podcast, Hey, Watch This, with Paul and David. Again, we're two weeks out, so I don't know what we'll be talking about that week. Um, nothing. I won't be there. I'll have a guest host because yeah. I'm at my wedding. Uh, that's uh, where you can find us. Uh, when where, where can people find you? Well, I'm a, I'm a, at Fetterman, which mm. is my Twitter, and then WayneFetterman.com. And I'm also in a new documentary that just was released on Hulu. Does that count as a movie if yeah, it's on yeah, Hulu? Sure. It's called I Am Road Comic. Oh, Jordan oh. Brady, right? Yes. He directed it? Yeah. Yes. And it's um, uh, people seem to really been respond, respond yeah. to it. So it's about road comedy. Because he did I Am Comic, yes. which I saw and I enjoyed. And I th- I think it's interesting that there is such a clear dire- dif- differentiation between comic and road comic. Well, um, yeah. I mean, we, t- we talk about road comedy a little in I Am Comic, but this mm-hmm. one really explores. So one is a subset of the other. Yeah, Of yeah. course, of course. And, yeah, and Jordan has a couple other ideas for other subgenres yeah. of stand-up. But, uh Anyway, I, I am bad comic. I am do that. right, or I am open micer. The one I want him to do is, I am like water comic. Like I feel like the cruise ship, oh, like yeah. the comedy boom never ended on the cruise ships. Like that's still going on. Like, Have you ever done a cruise ship? A few, a few. A few okay. But uh, I anyway, I just thought that would be an interesting. Maybe maybe because I'm in it, that it, that's interesting to me. But it's like that world of like getting on a boat. Having to be live with your audience. Oh boy, yeah, it's a yeah. very interesting kind of road. Yeah. Well, it's a wet road. Yeah. <laughs> and what's what's? I think it could work simply because you look at the movies on Netflix and Hulu and stuff. Yeah. They're so specific. <laughs> yeah, no. Like you can't make an argument. We like, were just talking about that room two thirty seven. Yeah, that's it's, very specific. Is that the name of it? Two thirty room, room two thirty seven. Yeah. yeah, and like. You know, couldn't be more specific. How many like there are movies made about uh, people who love pinball. There are movies who uh, made about the guys who made Donkey who who uh, hold the record at Donkey Kong. Oh yeah. Then there's King another of movie Kong, about yeah. 
about other guys who played video games and hold the records at that time. <laughs> There's so many that, yeah, and uh, I feel like I am water comic. Sounds that's pretty good. good. Right. All right. All right. Well, I'm sure you can. Thanks, guys. Keep your eyes peeled to, or stuck to Hulu for I am water comic next year. Absolutely. Uh, Wayne, thanks for being here. This is a lot of fun. You're welcome. Delightful. Thank you for, to listeners both for voting and for listening. Mm-hmm. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 